Welcome to the 274th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 4th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's spreading his streaming wings, Carlos Rodella. Yeah, I'm just hot off a stream right now. Hot off a stream. Hot and sweaty. I'm not that sweaty. You're a little sweaty. How do you know? You're not here. <laughs> or That's are for you? me to know and for you to find out. I'm, I'm inside the house, Carlos. I'm inside the house right now. <laughs> oh, remember the thing, uh, the really creepy scene from Mulholland Drive? Where you mean he, the whole movie? Yeah, I know, right? There is a couple really creepy scenes, but one of them, he's like, he's talking to a guy on the phone. Yeah. And he's like, where are you right now? He's like, I'm in your house right yeah. now. <laughs> yes. Anytime a movie pulls that shit, it is always super skeevy and creepy. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm literally not in your house. I'm in my house. You're in your house. And we are, we are yeah. here doing a podcast. Okay, great. Uh, folks, we have a special show for you today. In addition to housekeeping, in addition to our regular games content, we, as y'all know, uh, do not have guests on the show very often. But today we do have a guest. We had the uh, wonderful, talented, and delightful Evelyn Rose Hall from Stegosoft Games, one of the creators of Rise of the Third Power, which we covered a couple weeks ago on the show. Uh, so we will be having an interview with Evelyn Rose uh, at the end uh, of this program, right after the Elden Ring talk. So stay tuned for that. You'll get the scoop on what we talked about. Uh, she was a lot of fun. Very glad to have her on the show. Uh, but for right now, I say let's just crack on with uh, regular stuff. What do you say? Yeah, let's. But also, let's. don't forget to listen to that segment segment because it's really, really good. And she was Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Everybody. Um, and it's going to be before the closing credits so that we're, we're kind of forcing you to listen to it. If you like to hear the closing credits, you want to get to the closing credits, you got to have to listen to us talk. Right. And you don't know what we could say during the closing credits. It could be any sort of crazy announcement. Exactly. Or... It's like the equivalent of like a Marvel movie stinger where you got to watch the whole thing because you never know right. what's going to happen. It's like the exact same thing here. Although now the pressure's on, we might have to come up with something. There will be nothing. Okay. <laughs> Wait, don't do that. We just sold it. Or will there? There you go. Thank there you. There we go. Much. Okay, cool. Let's crack on, folks. Uh, let's start with the housekeeping. As you all know, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. On my side, I have I have like maybe one, maybe two things. Carlos, how's your side looking today? I have a few boxes this time. Okay. All right. Cool. Why don't you uh, kick us off, sir? Well, the boxes that you open sometimes are TV shows. And movies and stuff. And so my first box is that. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by a new show that's on HBO called The Tourist. Have you heard of this? I've not heard of it. Tell me all about it. It might be from, uh, I don't want to say it's where it's from because I'm going to put a foot in my mouth. But um, I feel like it's Australian or oh, New Zealand. Oh, it's a Zealand. foreign show. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just like accents and, and et cetera. But uh it's it's really really good and it came out of nowhere it just showed up in like the now playing section what's and, what's the gist so here's the gist so it's only six episodes oh i um, like that yes but they're an hour long so you know it's a, it's still like fine. still fine it's like an ozark or something sure sure it's about a guy who he looks very much like mad max type uh burly beard you know muscly guy uh but he's also super kind and i believe he's got like an irish accent too 
Is this post-apocalyptic or is this not? No, no, just normal. normal. He just looks like a Mad Max guy. He does look like a Mad Max guy. Does he wear like a skull on his crotch and he's got no. the shoulder spikes and stuff? I would have said that. Uh, so he's just like a guy. He's then. a dude. He's got a beard. He's just a dude. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, he's driving along. And this is the very first episode, so no spoiler. And he has, a, he has someone chase him and he gets into an accident and he gets amnesia. And so he's in a small, like really like dusty town, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, again, I think it's in Australia. I did a bad job of looking it up. I didn't do any of the notes. But and it's this teeny little town, and he's got to figure out where, what even happened. Why did someone, you know, you know, hit him on the car or whatever? And all these things are unfolding. But instead of it just being dark and like some of the shows we, you know, kind of come to expect, like it's going to take a dark turn and someone's going to get murdered and all this craziness. There's, you know, action and there's like stuff and drama going on. But there's also like really good and like warm characters in it. Uh, people, you're like, wow, that person's incredible and a really believable person in the real world. Uh, I don't want to say anything more than that, but it's like a mystery and it's done so well. Like I'm like way hooked. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That sounds like something the wife and I would watch. I mean, we're kind of in the middle of some shows right now, but I'm going to add it to the list and oh. we will work our way to it. It's a good like palate cleanser, I think. I mean, again, I'm episode one, so I don't know if it takes a hard turn episode two, but it's for me, it was just like- I mean, a, it could go straight in the toilet. It could. I, you know, I don't think so because the acting is just so good. It reminds me a little bit of Fargo. Okay. The TV Fargo's series Fargo. Stuff. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And it's got that vibe to it. So I can't see them like going south totally on like episode two. But I, I also bring it up. So please check it out. I bring it up because it reminds me of another box that I have, which is Elex 2, which we will talk about soon. Very soon. But the box part of it is uh, the actual game I'm putting aside and put into the other room. In the box is the fact that uh, a lot of videos, including a friend of the show, a friend of me, Click for Gameplay, uh, just made a video about is people are talking about the release window for that game just sucked hard. Yeah, because it, it released, I mean, I mean, a lot of stiff competition right now. Well, Elden Ring, hello, open world RPG. And uh, what is it, Gran Turismo 7 is like, uh, what, this week or last week or something like that, no, right? No, no offense to Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> I mean, like, Forbid, for, uh, Horizon, Forbidden Horizon West is a Forbidden super West, huge world. Sure. There's just so many open world games, and especially Elden Ring, because Elden Ring was like a week before yeah, or something, you know? Yeah. So I, mean, tr- I just bring true. up the box because I think we both like the developer and we like, I mean, I, spoiler, like the game. It is just kind of shitty timing, right? It's terrible timing. I loved Elex, number one, uh, the developer. I'm a big, big fan of theirs. I think they're one of the true unsung heroes of the industry. I think they never get credit for what they're doing. And I think they did a lot of really cool stuff. Piranha Very Bites. excited. Yeah, Piranha Bites, man. Um, definitely excited to get into Elex too. But boy, like, man, Elden Ring just like, ate their lunch so fucking hard right now. I know. And also, I bring it up with the tourists just because the tourist kind of reminds me of the character you play in Elix and the fact that, you know, there's it's not a spoiler. It's just like you're always the outcast kind of person. Sure. And trying to, like, get people to believe you. And it's funny as, again, I say this on the show a lot, I, like, watch media and play a game that's like the media. Uh, it did, I didn't even plan this one. I was just watching the tourist, finished it, went to pick up Elix 2, and I'm like... It's kind of the same character. Something in your DNA drives you towards these multimedia experiences, dude. Now, now what you need to do is you need to find an ARG. Okay. And then just loop that all together. Mm, then I will never come out <laughs> of whatever Straight that down is. down into the Matrix. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's my first box. What about you? That was like two boxes in one. Uh, 
Um, I TV shows, yeah, for sure. So my son and I. So I'm I'm a huge He-Man fan. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Everybody knows this. Uh, it's been on the website. I talk about it. Uh, I haven't talked about it for a while, but I've started talking about it more recently because um, I've kind of like fallen back in love with like collecting action figures and stuff. I just it's it's one of my happy places. And in this day and age, I think we all need a little bit of a happy place to go to sometimes. Yes. Um, so I started rewatching the 1984 TV series from Filmation. Um, and I invited my son to watch it with me. He had never seen it before. And I'm like, Hey man, this is like a cartoon from when your dad was a kid. If you want to, I mean, he knows who He-Man is cause he's seen the figures around the house and stuff, but you know, he just, that's like a totally different time period for him. So he's like, yeah, I'll watch it with you. I had no idea if he was going to like it or not. And he fucking loved it. He just like hook, line and sinker just mm. all the way in, which blew me away. Cause I thought he'd be like, what is this old dusty shit? My dad's watching. This is bullshit, you know, but he totally loved it. So we ended up watching. The entire series of He-Man, like it's like 135 episodes or oh something goodness. like that um, from like the 80, 84, 85, um, went through the whole thing. And after we finished, I mean, he was just like, oh, my God, like I want I want to watch more of this. This is amazing. So we're going to start watching She-Ra, who is He-Man's sister, uh, twin sister. She had her own series. She had her own series of toys. And so we, we started watching that this week. And She-Ra is the fucking bomb, dude. Like I, I never watched it when I was a kid for whatever reason. Um, I just don't think it was on when I was home and we started watching it and I'm like, holy shit, like this is actually like really fun and we really get into it. And I think the thing that's interesting about this is that cartoons from that period of time are very different. The violence level is totally different. Like you could not get away with stuff back then. Also at that time, uh, TV standards were cracking down on cartoons because they didn't want cartoons to just be commercials for toys. And so He-Man was like one of the first to kind of come back after that legislation because they included like a moral at the end of the story. They had very few characters because they didn't want to be seen as promoting a new action figure every week. And so they like really changed a lot of things. But the violence itself is really um, it, it's very tame. Like nobody ever gets directly punched. Like nobody ever like gets shot. Um, you know, like it, it's super, super safe. Right. And I think that that's maybe why my son really ended up liking it so much because he really tuned into that really quickly. He's like, oh, like no one's getting shot and like no one is fighting. I mean, they're fighting, but they're not like throwing punches or anything like it's like he man will like throw somebody into a puddle of water or Wait. he'll punch he'll punch a robot. Or something like that. But that's about it, right? I don't remember that episode where He-Man throws a guy into a puddle of water. Dude, he does it literally every episode. Does every he? Every fucking episode. Okay, yes. so I have a different memory of this as you're talking about it. Because, okay. again, kid memories are different than adult memories. Wait, did I say that right? Kid you memories did, are different. And that's actually a great tie-in to what we talk about with Evelyn Rose later on in the show. Oh, it is. Wow, it is. Zing. I didn't that. Zing. Natural there, buddy. No, but what it is is that, like, He-Man holds a sword. And he, he literally like swings it around and stuff. And I guess I don't remember that he never hit somebody with said sword. He literally never in like 135 episodes, never touches anybody with the sword. He reflects laser beams. He bounces back magic spells. He breaks rocks. Throws he'll, people in puddles. Yeah. He throws people in puddles literally every fucking episode. He will, he'll wreck that. a robot. And like, that's the interesting, interesting thing is like, if it's a real person like Trapjaw or Skeletor or Evil Lynn or whatever, He'll he'll like throw him into a puddle of water. That's usually what happens. And then the camera is required to show that person in the puddle of water to show that they're okay. Every single fucking time. This it's like clockwork. It's crazy. It's very different from today. If it's a robot, he can bust it up. If it's a vehicle, he can bust it up. But if there's somebody in the vehicle, they have to show that person escaping and that they're fine afterwards. So his sword is good for robots and things robots like that. Robots and nature. reflecting magic spells. That's what he does. So wow. I think my son really like 
found that safety in the cartoon. And I think it's really kind of like a balm for him right now because, you know, he's 13 and he's, I mean, the last two and a half years of fucking COVID, man. And like his life has turned upside down and we're talking about the Ukraine stuff and we're talking about global warming and we're talking about Nazism, fascism here in America. He's, there's a lot of shit for him to be really fucking scared about. Right. And so I think some part of his brain realized like, man, he man is like super safe and it's like really friendly. And it's from a time period when things were super different. And, you know, we had the Cold War back then, but man, I feel like we got it way worse right now, dude, like for real. So something about it is really connecting with him. So I'm glad that he found the joy in it. I'm finding the joy in sharing it with him. We're starting She-Ra, which is great. I'm very, very excited to watch it because I've never seen the whole thing. It's like a gift to me because here's this entire series that I've never seen before from 20 years ago or 30 years ago or Jesus, whenever it was, 40 years ago. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, okay. Maybe 30 years ago. I don't know. Anyway, but the interesting thing is that the writers um, in the original He-Man, I ended up noticing a lot of them went on to become very successful later on. Like J. Michael Straczynski went on to work in comics. And two of the guys, uh, Bob Forward and Larry DeTilio, um, I believe they worked on G.I. Joe, but also they went into Beast Wars Transformers, which is one of my all-time favorite series. And I never realized that those guys were kind of like the common thread through so many of the cartoons I loved growing up. So talented writers. You can see a lot of people getting their start there. Also, you, what you brought up uh, before we leave this topic is you said like 155 episodes or whatever. Something like that, yeah. So like when we were kids, there was a couple things to unpack there. One, we watched TV when it was on. Exactly. And so if we if there was something not on or we weren't in front of the TV at the time or we were like eating dinner because we had to yep. sit at the table or something, yep. we just didn't see things. So like... I know for a fact I didn't watch every episode of every like show that I liked. Oh no, like, you never Voltron. did until recently. Yeah, same. You know same. what I mean? Like and we always talk about seasons and like yeah, but I, we had no idea or concept no, of seasons. Dude. And if you were lucky enough to have a VCR, that bitch never recorded when you thought it was going to record. So you'd be <laughs> yeah. like coming home, oh man, I'm going to watch that He-Man or that Voltron, and it's like a fucking cooking show because it was like you know, AM instead of PM or whatever, like our channel, channel 13, that was the wrong channel. Like, man, it was hopeless, but it's so amazing now to just watch every fucking episode in a row and you don't have to miss it and go back. I mean, we're so blessed in some ways, um, not every way and maybe not many ways, but in some ways. Yeah. Well, that's in TV cool. ways. And by the way, um, also kudos to you because I can even comprehend the idea of like my dad, uh, back then going like, Hey, Hey son, Let's watch a cartoon I used to watch. I'm like, that's amazing if that would happen. But Oh, dude, I could barely get my dad to give me the time of day. We didn't do anything together growing up. He, I don't even know if he even knows what I like or anything about me. Honestly, my dad is a real fucking asshole. So I Jeez, made the I didn't choice mean to bring up that part of it. But no, I mean, it's true. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, that growing up, I did not get along with my dad. He didn't get along with me. We didn't even like each other. And he was a terrible father. And so. I wanted to make different choices, and this is exactly a real example of me doing something different, right? Exactly. I'm going to take my kid, share it. I'm going to break that cycle of violence, that emotional abuse, and do something different. Well, that's that's why I brought it up then. That's awesome. Thank you for bringing it up. Appreciate uh, it. Let me go through another box, and this one's really interesting because we talked about this on the show a while ago. But remember how I was like talking about Dying Light 2 and then saying like, Oh, no, Troy Baker voicing another yes. damn game. Yes. Well, I was wrong. I can't believe I'm wrong, but it's not him. Who is it? It's Jonah Scott. Man, well, I guess apologies to Jonah Scott, huh? It says right here in this article, Aiden Caldwell's voice actor in Dying Light 2 is Jonah Scott, a name that anime fans may find familiar. Uh, 
Aiden has a sizable portfolio when it comes to anime. Uh, wait, they means Jonah. They don't mean anime. Yeah, I think they mean yeah. Jonah. Yeah. Good job, news people. Whoever wrote this article, Jesus. Uh, and you might have heard his voice before in the different series. Um, so anyways, it's not Troy, and it sounds just like him. I mean, sometimes uh, popular voices resonate for a reason, right? Maybe there's a quality about Troy's voice that makes him popular. Maybe this person has a similar quality, which makes him also popular. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's reasonable. It's interesting. I just bring that up. It's yeah. a thing. Cool. Uh, one more box uh, on my side is, I just want to mention that a new studio is formed called Rebel Wolves. Okay. And they're from The Witcher 3 director. Uh, he's part of it, and he's creating a dark fantasy RPG in Unreal 5, which sounds very good to me. And some people that worked on Cyberpunk as well. Hmm. So um, he uh, is taking some of his buddies away from CD Projekt Red and starting his own thing? Yeah, I don't know if they, you know, it's probably not because of any particular reason. I think lots of times people just want to go do their own thing. Um, so I won't speculate to that. But I think it's bad blood. No, see, I think you're so. just trying to do that. I think there's a there's an axe to grind there somewhere. I think it's great, and they're just happy, and everyone's like, "We're going to go do this." So I live <laughs> in a different world. Um, so uh, yeah, the director of Witcher Three and a co-director of Cyberpunk 2077 making a new studio. It's called Rebel Wolves, and they're making an RPG in Unreal Five. That just sounds exciting to me. It's funny because I would like to know where are the conforming wolves? Like, is there like a like a wolf studio where they're just like really boring and they follow the rules? And these guys are like, no, we're the rebel wolves. Yeah, those those wolves wolves wear suits and they're they very do. boring. Yeah, very boring. Okay, um, what else you got? Anything else in housekeeping? I got nothing. Oh, I, I just I have one that just came as a tangent because okay. I said suits. Yeah, this is imperative. Okay, an imperative message to all humans who, <laughs> oh, no. who, who like shows. Okay. okay. All right. And maybe like suits. There is an incredible series that I cannot get enough of. Unfortunately, there's only three episodes out. You have to wait for it. I know you hate that. It's on Apple TV. It's called Severance. It's oh, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. amazing. And here's what it is short elevator pitch. It's being John Malkovich, the series. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty loaded pitch there. Oh, I don't know. I, did you like that movie? I mean, I watched it and I think I emerged a different person perhaps i don't know exactly what happened to me but something happened when i was watching that movie. well it's kaufman that's why it's yeah it's writing so this is an incredible writer and guess what directed by ben stiller mm-hmm. um he it's like a dark i don't want to say comedy but there's comedy and comedic moments in it the general gist is and this is so interesting when you go to this job certain people have like you know go to this company and they have elected to do a, a mini surgery that they have a chip planted in their brain so that when they get to work, it turns on, and everything they do at work, when they leave, they don't remember it. Right. So like they have a work life, and they have a home life, yeah. and they don't remember. Like When they're at work, they don't know what happened at home, and when they're at home, they don't remember what happened at work. Right. right. And a lot of mystery, intrigue, darkness, weirdness because of that. Like, what's the company doing? What's going on? Is this like sustainable for a human being? And it's just done so beautifully. The music's incredible. Uh, Adam Scott uh, from Park and Rec and a bunch of other stuff is in it. It's just incredible. Christopher Walken shows up in it. Um, Turturro's in it. John Turturro. I can't speak highly enough about it, Uh, especially those who go to work or go to any sort of job and then want to unplug. Yeah. This this show is for you. Interesting. Yeah, I saw the trailer. It looked pretty interesting. Look kind of heavy. I don't know that I was in the market for something as heavy as that looked. 
but definitely interesting. And when I am feeling like more full of love and light, I probably will watch that. I will say this though, the asterisk to what you just said, I thought so too, but I've seen many, many shows that are too heavy and then just stay too heavy. This is not that show. Okay. You know, know. this show has enough quirk and enough stuff that happens in the office that is like just bizarre and kind of fun. And then there's some darkness. So I, I don't know. I think it's 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 more easily digestible. All right, cool. Well, at the very least, I'm going to wait till all the episodes are out because I hate I know, waiting I week by week. That is the worst. I'm telling other people right now. Oh, man. Okay. All right. That is housekeeping. I think we are done with that section. Let us move on to the main content of our show, the games. Um, a little bit lighter this week in terms of sheer numbers, but I think we have maybe a little bit more to say. Carlos, let's kick it off with you. Elex 2, which we kind of mentioned in the uh, the prologue we just got through there. Elex 2 coming from Piranha Bytes, developer we both love. I know we both loved Elex. Unfortunately, this kind of third-person open-world action RPG is releasing at the absolute wrong time. Yeah. I bet those developers are kicking themselves right now because I'm psyched for Elex 2. I really want to play it. I love the first game. But Elden Ring is here, and God damn it, like we're all playing Elden Ring right now. So... Uh, except for you, you took a pause on Elden to play some Elex, and I really want to hear from you. Tell us all about it, and tell us how great it is. And I will say this to that point: you know, Elex Two is again terrible timing. And by the way, I think that's on THQ Nordic. Who Man, I think someone fucked up. right? But I'm just saying, I don't know if it's Piranha Bytes. I think it's it's got to be a publisher. Well, whoever it is, I don't mean to throw shade or anything, but whoever made that choice really fucked. I'm up. throwing shade at the publisher. I think it's THQ, unfortunately. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's bad timing. But here's the thing. Yes, Carlos plays four games at once, and I have no, like, human, like, properties left. I'm a robot. But uh, uh, even with that said, Elex 2 is a different enough game from uh, Elden Ring that you can play both. Like, I, I know people are like, oh, it's bad timing, and I just led with that whole thing. But That's I, literally what you just said. I did, but I'm saying there really is mind space for both, because here's Elden Ring is a Dark Souls game, and... It's an open world one, and it's great. And we'll talk about it in a few seconds. Elix Two is definitely a double A, you know, more of an indie RPG, and it's a slow burn, and it's got a lot more story. I mean, it's got all the story compared to Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Has I mean, no story. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, I know you probably have more capacity for this than I do because you like open world. I think maybe a little bit more than I do. But man, like, I mean, and we'll get into this later. But like Elden Ring, I feel like is just like it takes. It's huge. It's like this massively huge game, and like it's taking all my free time just to kind of chip away at it. And I'm I'm dinking away with stuff on the Switch and everything, but I just can't imagine doing two big open world games. And from what I remember of Elex, number one, I mean, of course, not as big as Elden, but like detailed, tons of story, lots of quests. I mean, really rich. And I I don't know that my brain can handle both of those at the same time. Well, no, that's a good point. But and we will talk about the game in a second. But I think to that. It's like, why I'm going to play Elex 2 tonight, and I'm not saying in the same night even sometimes, but like like tonight I'm going to go worry, or like think about story, and that's what Elex 2 is. It's like tons of choices and tons of characters and people that you actually like might like. You know, I just met someone who was like getting bullied, and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to defend this person immediately, and that's where my mind's at tonight, like to protect this guy who's getting bullied. That's what my night will be about, you know, and a bunch of other missions. And then, say, tomorrow night, I boot up Elden Ring. I'm not thinking at all. Like, unfortunately, and we'll get to it, I'm foreshadowing, but it's fun, and it takes, like, five hours out of my life immediately because it's so engrossing. But I'm, I don't, I'm just doing things. Right, right. You know, they're different. Okay. Yeah, different kind of games. I get you. Let's talk about Elix 2. So Elix 2 is more of Elix 1, and I'm done. Nice. 
And sold. Sold. I mean, that's kind of it, right? It, like, the graphics are... <laughs> so for people who didn't play Elex 1, yeah, right. this game? <laughs> okay. So this is, a, you know, a, that post-apocalyptic thing is, is kind of thrown around too much. But basically, it's another planet that at some point in Elex 1 game lore had uh, this meteor smashed down. All these special crystals came out. The crystals were used for different purposes. And there was like a bunch of different factions that were formed around that. And just in general, humans create factions. And so all those factions in Elix 1 were kind of like doing their own thing. You as the protagonist come in and say, hey, I'm an outlaw. I'm a vagabond. No one believes me. But I need to bring all of you together for some mission. That's the whole game, right? That's cool. Elix 1. Cool. So yes. Elix 2 is the exact same thing. Basically, and this is a minor spoiler, but you need to know it if you're going to buy the game. Elix 2 takes place in the same planet, the same factions, I'd be literally the same factions, including one new faction. Um, and aliens are the new enemy. So like not just the people on the planet, but like literally someone from, you know, elsewhere. And so you're tasked again to be like, hey, guys and gals, we need to come together and fight them. So you do that. You basically RPG, action RPG, third person, and you're trying to get factions to get together and also level up. And along the way, again, it's the people we meet because really this game is just about a bunch of little stories. Um, so as a good as a good kind of touchstone for people who may not have played Elex, which I'm guessing probably not many people have, I don't really encounter many people who um, have experience with it. Would, like, what's a good comparison? Would you say this is kind of analogous to like maybe like a like Fallout roughly in terms of structure, or what do you think would would be a good comparison? No, I mean it's like Mad Max meets Witcher, kind of. Okay. Like okay. Mad Max, like the the game, you know. The, yeah. the one that you love, we both love. Which was amazing that nobody played also, yes. Yeah. You know, like a, a rage, but third person. Like, it's like the world's more like not just all barren wasteland, so I don't want to give you that. It's like a full world. It's got snow-capped mountains and forests and, you know, underground sections. So it's just a regular open world. But there happens to be monsters and aliens, and then there's factions. So you're just kind of like going along. Uh, you know, it's like like the other games, Gothic, um, you know, an, any RPG you can think of, an Elder Scrolls type game. Yeah. But there's yeah. just more sci-fi to this world, which is great. Like it's, that's, I think what we both loved about the first game is it mixed those two together. Great mix of elements. Yeah. But so yeah. speaking of mixing elements, talk to me about this jetpack, brother, because you know me, I love me a good jetpack and Elex famous for a jetpack. Uh, I'm hoping that continues here. I wish that was in the next thing in my notes. So nice. you're just transitioning all over the place. So that's the, uh, another special thing that Elex has and it had in the first game and it has in the second game as well is the jetpack which basically allows you to traverse the landscape much easier also get away from enemies because in this game uh the only con that i'll say up up front is that it is very difficult in the beginning to do battle and do any sort of combat you basically just get your ass handed to you a lot in the beginning and i that you know i'm i'm all about empowerment so that kind of freaked me out but you have this jetpack so you can fly away from said enemy uh, and that really helps. Um, so yeah, it's better because you can upgrade it. Uh, did you could even upgrade it in the first one? I don't know. I don't believe you could upgrade. Okay, the back, uh, the you can upgrade back. this one in many ways, including it'll go longer. Like it'll you know just like uh, more fuel. Then it can go forward, and so essentially like flying, like like Superman style. Ooh, nice. And then you can shoot and even attack melee while in the air. Okay. It's like a little janky, of course. That's a lot of you know. 
we that everyone says Euro jank games. Euro jank. That's what this game is. It yep. just means that you have a smaller team. They can't do everything 100%. So, but I think it's just a great add-on. And I haven't upgraded enough that, you know, I feel comfortable with it. But right now, even if I say I fall off a cliff, like you do in RPGs, right? You're fighting a monster and you fall. You don't have to worry. Just pump the brakes on that little jetpack and you're fine. I love me a good jetpack, man. You show me a game that's not better with a jetpack, it's impossible. You can't do it. Every game is better with a jetpack. I'm trying to think of a good comeback here. but You I can't don't. do it. I don't. There's no, you, it's possible. So let me say a couple other things. So in general, I like, like everything is pretty much better. Graphics are a little better, not tons better, right? We're not, I'm like playing Horizon occasionally. Uh, I put that one a little bit in the back burner, which we can talk about later. But those graphics are one of the best. Like they're better than Elden Ring. Hot take? Oh, I that's not even a hot take. That's just like a fact, dude. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but the point is, Elix twos, they're okay. Right, they're okay. Yeah. Uh, great lip syncing, by the way. And most video games and a lot of RPGs don't have that at all, or just like really bad at it. Uh, great lip syncing, which takes a little bit of time. Um, really enjoying it. Again, these games are about the characters. I think when you and I talked about Elix One on the show, we talked about the different ways we played it, right? Which yeah. I yeah. guess does remind me of Fallout, where like there's going to be many, many endings. There's going to be so many different paths you can who take. Who you can side with, who you support, right. who you're against, that whole thing. There's a new faction called the Mor- Morcons, I believe, and they're like all melee people. And I just oh, those found are, out. Your, it's your tribe, man. You it's just my your people. tribe. So tonight, <laughs> after I finished the guy, you know, getting bullied, probably laying somebody out, not throwing him in a puddle of water, by the way. I'm going <laughs> to do a lot more than that. You're going to actually me. kill that dude. I yes. might. Uh, and I'm going to go join the Morcons tonight. Uh, and so, yeah, you join factions. You have different faction abilities based on which faction you join. But overall, you're trying to really bring a few of these factions together so you can create an army and fight aliens. That will probably be the end game. But like Elix One, that's not really what the game's about. The game right. is about the journey, meeting all these people, you know, getting companions, doing companion quests. It's the friends you make along the way. I know. Didn't I just say that earlier? Uh, no, but oh, maybe. I, said, I think I alluded to it, and that you said it better. There you go. It also reminds me of um, you know, Final Fantasy XV or um, what's it called? Dragon Age, where like, you know, the companions actually matter. Uh, right. Like I care about. Like, oh, by the way, here's one fun fact before we leave and go to talk to another game. The very beginning of the game, minor spoiler, but really cool and interesting they did it. You you finish the uh you start the Elix two right after Elix one. It's tricky because sometimes you you forget some of that stuff, right? Like I don't It's been a while. It's been, it's been a while. while. But they don't care. <laughs> They're just like just here's you remember this person, this character. I'm like, not really. They'll do some like flashback scenes, which is cool. But at the end of the game, most people got like one ending. So they kind of went with that. And you were involved with this woman. And in this game, it starts, you have a kid. Huh. And the very beginning was very God of War-esque where I would did a mission with like my kid. Like me and him went running around and like that was a mission. Was he like like attacking dudes and stuff? No, it wasn't. It was just like uh, he just wanted to go see somewhere. No, and I had. It wasn't like shooting arrows for you. No, no. (laughs) Was it God of War? No, it wasn't God of War. No, but like I literally, I had to fight some monsters on the way or something. But like, he just stood out of the way, and like it was more about the bonding. And I was like, "Wow, what is this game?" And then right after that, one of the side missions is to go watch a Billy Idol concert. 
Wow, that's a blast from and the past. And that came out of nowhere, because why is he there? That's another planet. Is he like a friend of the developers or <laughs> something like that? I think he might be, because literally, and this is, again, early game spoilers. I saw that in a mission, and I was like, go see a Billy Idol concert? This doesn't make any sense. Am I high? <laughs> I was. Is this a dream? I What's know. going on? Anyways, I, I went and saw the show, by the way. It was great, and it was like a full song and guitar. It was like the, an actual show, but in the game. Wow. Uh, this game is quirky, weird. I love it to death. I didn't think I wouldn't. You know, there's no way I could have really not liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you like Deluxe One, you're going to love it. If you don't know what this is, this is the first time you're hearing about it, and it sounds weird and strange, uh, you should check it out then. I love Elex One so much. This is an instant buy for me. I don't have time right now. Uh, my schedule is really full. Dance card's full. But um, when I do get time, this is absolutely something that I am very, very excited about. So I would say to people who like the Fallout stuff or the, you know, the uh, Elder Scrolls stuff or something, but like you know, with a little Eurojank flair and some uh, some cool characters, check it out. Check out the first one. Even the first one's pretty good. I'm sure this one's even better. Very excited. Yeah, they're both good, and I'm sure the first one's maybe on sale now. But uh, it's probably like three dollars somewhere. Yeah, now. I'm telling you, I love Piranovites and I love this game. And I know because I watched one of the live streams. They're working on another game right now. So. Right on. Okay, cool. That is Elex Two. Uh, let me talk at you for a minute about Primordia. I am playing this on the Switch. Surprise, surprise. What? I know. Hold on to your hat, Carlos. I'm playing something on the Switch. Okay. Uh, this is a point-and-click adventure. Now, everybody who listens to this show knows, I've said it many times, I have a real hot and cold, mostly cold relationship with point-and-click adventures. I like them when they are light and easy and smooth with no friction, with a focus on like the characters and jokes and stuff, and not a focus on mind-bending moon logic puzzles. Um, I like them to be very easygoing and to not make me pixel hunt and to do all that kind of like inventory management stuff. Um, not my favorite genre. I'm going to say that up front, okay? So I'm just full disclosure. Point and clicks are not my favorite genre. Yep. This one is about... Uh, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic story where humanity wipes themselves out, uh, which these days doesn't seem like too far Man, of a stretch. We get yeah. it already. Like I know, right? History books and the future sci-fi novels. We get it. Yeah. So so in this particular world, apparently no human survivors. We done the job and we're all fucking dead. So what's left are the robots that we had from before the apocalypse. So one of these robots is kind of like trying to rebuild like an airship or something like that. I'm not sure. It's some kind of sci-fi vehicle. And another robot steals his power source. And so that kind of kicks off the quest. You play the robot and he's got a little sidekick who like does jokes and stuff. And you just kind of like go on this adventure, a point and click style adventure where you're trying to go. I mean, basically find out what happened to your power source and get that back so you can complete your ship. But also you're finding out a lot about what happened to the world, like what happened to humanity, what happened to the cities that like nuke themselves out of existence and like, why is the world like this? So it's a pretty good premise. Um, I mean, maybe a little too heavy these days because it's like a little bit too close to reality. Uh, probably would have been a much bigger hit like 10 years ago or something um, with me anyway. Um, but it's pretty good. I think the writing is pretty good. I think the gra so the graphics are kind of a mixed bag and I'll tell you why. So like when you look at the pictures, the pixel art, I think is really well done. I think um, there's a lot of detail. It's pretty appealing, but the color palette is really lacking. There's a lot of brown, like so much brown and gray. And I get it. It's post-apocalyptic. I get it. Bad stuff happened. No humans around to spice things up. I get it. But at the same time, I feel like every screen is like brown, like oppressively brown. And it's just it's not that interesting to look at. So I kind of 
wish they had added more colors because when you look at the models and the actual like art style, it's actually really good. Like I think these uh, these people are very talented. Um, just unfortunate that they went so brown heavy. So that's kind of a bummer. As far as the point and clicking goes itself, it's been okay. I haven't hit any puzzles that are making me pissed off. I haven't had to go to an FAQ yet. That said, I'm pretty early and there is that potential. But I think overall, it's got a good vibe. I think the, the writing is really interesting and I'm curious to see where it goes. I mean, I probably have a, a, a pretty good guess about how this happened. I could probably fill in the blanks myself, but still it's enjoyable enough to spend time with these robots and just kind of like be in this world where humans used to be. And just kind of like taking that vibe. So overall, I think Primordia is really interesting. Um, I think it's a good fit for the Switch in terms of like you can pick it up and put it down. And I think for some reason point and clicks really work for me on the Switch uh, when they do work. Uh, so that's working pretty well. I think that's good. Uh, so I'll you know I'll keep putting some time into it and see where it goes. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshots and I, I see a lot of brown. So um, much brown. So much brown. Too much brown. But I like the style too. So it's like yeah. it's, a, it's a hit and miss. Yeah, you know, I just just brighten it up a little bit. I mean, that was like the 90s when everything was like brown and black and gray and just grim dark and gritty. And I, I'm done with that. Like, I don't ever want to go back to that. So I don't know when this game was originally made. It was on PC for a while. Um, it's not a brand new game. I mean, this is a port, so it's been around for a while. I, I don't know. Maybe it was from the 90s. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot to like here for people who like point and clicks. I don't know that it's going to win anybody over if you don't like the genre. But if you do like the genre, you definitely should check this one out. All right. There you go. There you go, Primordia, that's on the Switch. All right, so we've got one more game to talk about, and then at the end of the show, before the closing credits, we will have our interview with Evelyn Rose Hall of Stegosoft Games. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Elden fucking Ring. Yes. Elden F Ring. It's like the game everybody's talking about. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it already debuted as one of the best-reviewed games of all time. Is that correct? It is. We I have an asterisk next to that, but yes, um, it's it's damn good i'll say that and i agree with them uh, it's getting weirdly like 10 out of 10s of lots of places yeah lots of places so. i saw that coming our own reviewer mike susky at game critics um i told him to put a pause on his review because this is a massive game and i'm like you know i don't want you to put uh your score on it until you roll credits because honestly um i feel like this is probably not going to be the case but before we played elden ring before we knew what it was i was like you know i got kind of a bitter taste in my mouth from sekiro where I kind of like that game, but I also kind of hate that game. And I wanted to make sure that uh, FromSoft wasn't back on that bullshit. So I told Mike, hey man, um, I know you really like this game, but put a pause. Make sure you finish the game before you put a score on it. But he did put out a preliminary review at GameCreditScott.com. You can click on that and read that. Uh, he loves it. I mean, he loves it. And actually, I think he's on point. I love it too. I'm pretty sure that you love it, which is kind of a surprise because I didn't think it was going to be your jam. I know. But I mean, I'm at this point, I'm probably like 35 hours in. How deep are you? 25, I think, or 30. Yeah, I'm really close to where you're at. because Which is a lot. It's a it's lot, a lot for me on a, on a FromSoft game. Um, but my asterisk, by the way, just to re retract and go back a little bit. The 10 out of 10s, I just feel like, and I, I've seen this on a lot of YouTube videos, you know, lots of times people that review FromSoft games are people who like FromSoft games. Of course, so yes. I always sure. put that as like an like um, take that with a grain of salt when you see a ten out of ten, because another reviewer might just not want to like get through that or can't get through that game. Right. And so I don't know. That's all I say. But I do really enjoy it. I have like pros and cons. Let's get into it. Well, let's talk about the. Okay, so I think that's an interesting tangent to get into, right? So, um, interestingly, I I agree with you, and I so being the editor of Game Critics for like twenty fucking years, like we we have this question all the time. This always comes up. Do you have somebody review a game when you already know that they are inclined to like it 
Or do you give a game to somebody who doesn't know anything about that game, maybe doesn't even know that genre, because you want like more of a, I don't know, fresh set of eyes on it? I think there's merits to both approaches, right? And at Game Critics, I mean, full disclosure, we are a volunteer organization, have been, and ever since the start. So people who work at Game Critics or write for Game Critics tend to self-select, right? Like we don't force people to review games. So very often what happens is people who like a certain game or who want to review a certain game end up getting to review it because they want to. We don't force anybody right. to do anything, right? So it makes sense in our case that people who review these games probably will like that game. I mean, we we I mean we also give really harsh scores, right? We've given zeros, we've given ones, we've given twos. So in the event that a game ends up not being good, we're not afraid to say it. But but also, you know, we have people who like these games who review them. So I think that's kind of the case. As far as you go, Carlos, I think you're an interesting case because you are not a FromSoft fan. You are you've played Dark Souls before. I'm sure you must have dabbled here and there or whatever. But you're not in the Souls camp. You're not in that bucket. And this is the first one, correct me if I'm wrong, that you've ever really connected with. So I guess as someone who is, you know, quote unquote, like newish or newer or who's not a get good kind of person, how, like what is it about this game that's connecting with you in a way that other FromSoft games haven't? Yeah, that's a great lead in. I think, um, and it's so baffling to me. I'm like still baffled by it, but it is. I'm also baffled, dude. It's pretty easily explainable. So I'll tell you right now. So the first and foremost is like when I first went to, to the game, um, I really wanted to find like, I don't want to call them exploits, but just any sort of like guides or things that I could jump into that would allow me to quickly farm things and get yes. XP so that I could get that empowerment feeling so I didn't have to just generally feel like I'm stuck in a corridor in a Dark Souls game and I'm always going to like die. So because of the open world, and this is my first answer to you, you have the ability to go anywhere. And because you can... And that horse is very nimble, even though I stand by the fact that the jump is, is dog shit. Um, your regular jump, which you don't never use, really. Sure, sure. Um, you get on that horse, and it's amazing. It has a double jump. It can go anywhere. So even if you literally have a boss in, in your face, what the thing that's scared Carlos the most from all the old so, uh, soft games, from soft games is that you can just leave. And like, not even just leave, like leave the continent, you know, <laughs> you can like jump off into another totally new place. And there's like, you know, spoiler, there's like portals and stuff. So you can literally jump around the map so many different places, even if you're like way under leveled. And then the second part of that, because it's open world, uh, because of that kind of puzzly, I called it to you in, in DMs, like I, it's like a puzzle where like if I was what I is what I did. I went everywhere I needed to with the help of some guides and got like my flasks upgraded. So now I have like eight flasks. Like I had eight in the beginning of the game or something, right? That's like more than you normally have. Like how many do you have right now? I have eight and then I've got an extra one that's a different kind of flask. So I have nine total. Yeah, I have not, I've, well, I have 10 total, but I have eight of the regular ones. So eight regulars. Okay. But I had like seven probably in the very beginning because I did what. I needed to do to go find them, it wasn't about killing things. See what I'm saying? Exactly. Like I yes. got those flasks because I was just smart and I and other people were smarter than me and they told me where to go. And that's kind of my second answer is that a lot of this version of the game is that it lets you just go gain, gain things and get better before you're dying a lot. Right, with the help of guides and stuff. With the help of guides, yeah. And again, yeah. minor exploits, I really haven't done a ton of them. I thought I would just like use them a lot there's not there's only like three or four left after the patches um and all of them are they're still like you doing something uh let me give you a good example of an exploit real quick it's a mi miniature tangent 
because it really fits in the lore of the game. There's this over crazy hyped uh, or over leveled boss, just mid boss roaming around the, the the world, and if you get him to chase you and aggro him, and he chases you up this hill, the hill has all this poison on it, and you get poisoned. But for some reason, the poison hurts him a lot more than it hurts you, mm. and you can enemy felled him, like you can beat him just by having him chase you through these poison fields. Interesting. I, I haven't come to that situation yet. I got 70,000 runes for that. Wow. That's a pretty good haul. Yeah, an early game. Nowadays, that's like nothing because I'm like level 40 or something, level 50. Right. But right. like back then, that was everything. And so that's what I'm saying. How fun is that? That that brings you or brings me a new player because they figured out a new way to kind of like, you know, play the game. Right. Those, and are, my, I think those that's... are my early answers. I mean, I think that's interesting because, I mean, that's not even really like an exploit. It's just like a thing that you can do if you like figure it out. I mean, I think it's on purpose, right? Like a lot of these things, um, like for example, there's also this other uh, place you can level up where um, there's multiple ways to get there. But if you like open a chest, sometimes it warps you or there's a person you can talk to who will warp you there. Um, it'll take you to like a very, very distant part of the map that you probably wouldn't get to for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And if you go there... Um, there's like this field full of enemies that you can easily backstab and they're tough, but they're not like not doable. Like you can totally do it. And they stagger. I know the ones you're they talking stagger. About. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you warp there early in the game and you like stagger them and backstab them, you can like each one gives you like a thousand, which, you know, at my point in the game is not a whole lot. It's still a little bit of farming. But if you get there early enough, I mean, that can be like a great incentive to just like grind and get better and then like improve your levels so it's not an exploit really it's just like a thing where like if you if it happens to you or if you figure it out you can take advantage of it and i think the developers are fine if you do that like if you put those pieces together i mean more power to you and then to add to that kind of part three of this these are like all things that bring new players in and brought me in is you can fast travel a ton yes and that really helps because again unlike other games i don't think the other games were this big um, it's massive sections. And if I had to like go through a bunch of monsters to get back to where I wanted to go, I'd throw the controller at the TV, you know? Yeah. But this is like, oh no, I did what I need to do. Like I, like you just said, I went to that really difficult area. I opened up the, the teleport area. Uh, what's it? Why am I blanking? What's called the, um, what the grace, the grace, thing? grace, yeah, the grace, grace thing. point. And then I just jump back to like the beginning and go somewhere else. So, um, that's another positive. And the, the last positive I'll say is that, you know, when you do those tricks or, or just like ways to play the game and you can beat some, not even just bosses, but I haven't been bosses, but even just like some high level monsters, you start feeling better. And that kind of empowerment thing does show up, I think, earlier than in other FromSoft games, uh, at least for me, at least my experience. It's interesting. I think it really it really varies. I mean, I think everything that you're saying, I basically agree with for sure. Um, this is in some ways, I know that a lot of people kind of bristle at this in saying that it's the most approachable because I think there's a lot of things that are really not approachable. I mean, I, I for, have a great example coming up in a second, but stuff like what you're saying about the ability to take advantage of those, you know, quote unquote exploits or be able to just leave and do something else. Mm. I mean, you can teleport in this one way more than any other Dark Souls game in the past. Like it's so flexible and so like open for you to do it. I mean, that's really great. And in addition to that, having the horse to get quick getaways. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's really good, but it, it's interesting because I was having a discussion with somebody on Twitter earlier today where I was like, I like this game. Like I, I'm a FromSoft fan. 
I have been a FromSoft fan since before anybody knew who FromSoft was. Like I was playing Kingsfield. Kingsfield. Yeah. Um, back in the day, like they were like ASCII, they were called ASCIIware back in the day. So like even before they were from, right? So it was like I was playing all these games. So I've been around for a while. I know their shit. I know their tricks. I know their their bad habits and all that. They're a great developer. They're not a perfect developer and they have issues. And one of their hangups that I really feel like it's just time to just fucking let go is like keeping the mystery and the secrets about just basic functions. Yeah. Like super basic functions. Like for example, um, my wife uh, is playing this and she played like hours before she realized you could um, not dual wield, but like double hand a single weapon. Um, you know, they do tell it to you in the tutorial for like, like a second, but like they don't come back to it. Right. Or like, um, you know, I had no idea that you could charge up a magic spell. I'm a magic user. And I'm like, oh, like I actually had somebody tell me that today. I'm like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Or there's also uh, a change to the combat system where if you can tank your way through an enemy's series of hits to where the enemy naturally stops, the next hit you do will be like a super powered attack. I had no idea. I had no Literally idea, no that idea that, You just yeah, told me that. There you go. You just learned something. Like basic stuff like that. I feel like they got to just don't keep it a secret yo like i i get discovery is important part of the souls games and i'm not saying you know fill the map full of markers i'm not saying tell us every single thing but like when we're talking about basic functions here's how the combat system works here's how the magic system works here's how you know you do these controls and things like that right like like just tell us that in a very clear way um additionally my big pain point i mean i've been a magic user i know you're a melee guy but i I was gonna swing magic this time and i did that i have had the same basic spells and the same starting gear for almost 30 hours dude like no upgrades i couldn't find anything right so like i was people were telling me oh there's all sorts of spells this game really wants you to do spells they they really want magic users in this game and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about because i'm almost 30 hours in I've completed so many games in less time than it took me to find something brand new to use a new spell or a new magic wand. Um, and it's like, it's hidden in a place where, I mean, some people found it, you know, cool. If you found it great, I didn't find it. And it just really depends which direction you go. You could go 50 fucking hours and not find this thing. Right. And some people find it right off the bat. Right. But if you're going to do something like that, I feel like basic vendors like that or basic options should be, really highlighted or just really like in the hub or just put it someplace where you can find it. Don't keep that stuff a secret. Like keep other things a secret, secret gear, secret bosses, uh, you know, little in jokes and stuff like discovering that stuff is really cool. But as a magic user, I'm like killing myself trying to find a new spell because that's just a basic function of my character class and I can't find it. I mean, right. I eventually found it. And when I found it, I'm like, Oh, I was like so pissed off. Like, cause like, I wish I would have found it. 20 hours earlier, right? Can I say something to that real quick? Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's so interesting because there's a, so so much of a double-edged sword with me liking and disliking this game. I know I've only talked about positive things right now, but this, I'll, 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 I'll touch on this real quick, is I really like the kind of, hey, we're all playing this game together on Twitter vibe, sure. right? The zeitgeist. The zeitgeist moment, especially with this game because that's what FromSoft games are about. Like, exactly. did you know you could do this? And you just told me a new move. I could have used fucking 15 hours ago. Well, try it out now. Your game will be will be upped for right. sure. And then also the dual, like holding the my two-handed weapon with both hands. Exactly. I agree with you because it's like, it is a double-edged sword. It's like some of that's really cool to find out or be talking with people online about. But the other part is not cool because you need more magic spells or I need to know how to fucking hold my sword. So 
it is a weird, you know, in between line. And I feel like they're just doing none of it. Like they're not, they're not going to come over on the other side of the fence there to give you any information. Uh, and I don't think that's the right answer because I agree with you. And I think that we should have a little bit more understanding because I think that just, again, not just empowers, but like informs what the hell you're going to spend 30 hours doing. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get that was their shtick, right? It's been their shtick for a long time. I get it. That was their claim to fame. I've heard the story about, um, you know, Miyazaki saying, oh, you know, I read this book and I only understood half of it. And I thought that was really fascinating and I wanted to replicate that. I get it. OK, like we get it. You've been ringing that bell for like so many games in a row. Right. But at this point, I'm just like, I've played all your games. I'm sick of this bullshit. I shouldn't have to go online to an FAQ to find out just basic functionality um, about certain items or about how certain things work. I mean, challenge me in other ways. But this, I feel like, is bullshit. So, OK. Well, that's wait, the negative stuff. That's the negative. One more. I have another couple of the negative things. Okay, we'll keep going with the negative then, because we got positive. But go okay, ahead. let me do one more negative then. Um, and and to finish that thought, yes. I think that even though you said you've been there since Kingsfield and you're tired of it, I'm a brand new essentially user or player. You know, I played some Souls yeah. game, but I'm not like where you're coming from. But I also feel that right. Um, I probably will feel that more. But what that is is that I think a little bit more instructions at the beginning would just, yeah, make me enjoy your game better. That, exactly. It doesn't take away the mystery. There's like 8,000 things I don't understand. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's a exactly. woman who's screaming and she wants to see my fingers. Okay, cool. I don't know what that means, but tell me to hold my fucking sword. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying, right? Like, challenge me, puzzle me, make me curious about the world, about the story, about NPCs. Don't make me like puzzle about how to like get off the horse properly or right. how to how to like hold my sword properly or like even that you can block and that this blocking has a function don't don't puzzle me about that shit like that's that's basic stuff that like you said really impacts like your experience um you know for my example i mean i if i had found these magic spells 20 hours earlier i mean i'm still enjoying the game still love the game okay it's not about that but it's like i shouldn't have to like struggle so hard to get my build to like work in a functional way that's just basic shit that shouldn't really be a challenge to me. Like I should be um, choosing my spells and like having options and then going further in the game because I've built my character in a certain way. But instead I had the same fucking magic wand for like 30 fucking hours, dude. Like it's just, it's really painful. And the only reason I even have like the sword I, I have, which is that weird sword that's been out of the games, the Zegawet or something, the two handed crazy two handed sword uh, is because I went to a guide. You know, and I did find where I could get it because that's what I wanted, and I had enough yeah. money for it, but I didn't know where it was. And so I don't know, small things like that. But I mean, so I'm I'm feeling you on that, and I gotta say I have mixed feelings, right? Because I wanted to to go into this game cold. I didn't want to be spoiled, and that's what I done um, for the most part, except for you know a th few things people have told me on Twitter. But it's like after 30 hours of not having any upgrades, not having any new spells, of like keeping your starting gear. What other game has you keep your starting gear for 30 hours, dude? And of course, it's like I just chose to walk a certain direction. I chose to explore a certain path. Other people found things that I didn't find. I get that, right? But like after 30 hours of my particular choices leading me to this path of like, okay, I'm getting really tired of this. You know, a friend who is also a magic user is like, oh, man, just go to this other place and get this wand and like just, you know. So I will. I'll get a better wand because I want to get a better wand. But at the same time, I feel like it's kind of spoiling my experience a little bit. It would have been cool right. to get that on my own as a natural part of progression. But instead, I either have to get – I mean, he found it on an FAQ, right? He didn't even find it himself. So it's like he found an FAQ because he was frustrated. He told me because he knew I was frustrated. I'm going to go get this wand and reduce my frustration. 
But wouldn't it be better for me to just do that in the game rather than going to some fucking FAQ? Dude, I, I literally would have probably put the game down if I didn't yeah. find the guy to find that sword that would help me feel again, just a little bit empowered to like not die a bunch. Yeah. Um, and again, it's so interesting because not to belabor that point, but because I was able to get up to like level 40, like pretty fast. I mean, like, of course, it's like 25 hours or whatever, but it felt like for a Souls game, I was like winning, you know? Yeah. And then because I got up that far, I went back to like easier enemies. And again, it just gave me that a little bit to understand, like, I'm not dying immediately from one shotted. And so I can now learn how to fucking fight, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I can learn that. Um, you know, this dodge works better or this spell works better. But when you're just dying, like all the time, you just don't get that chance. That's my other con. I have two more cons, but can I do to them now? Yeah, or? I mean, I w- no, let's do them now because we can go into the, the positive stuff afterwards. I want to say just really quickly, I want to second that. Um, I, I think that's a good point. And actually, uh, Mike Rose, who is from No More Robots, the game publisher, um, he actually said basically the same thing. He found um, a really good place to farm. And he's like, you know what? I don't care if this was like easy mode. I just jumped in and I just farmed for like a day or whatever. And at the end, at the tail end of that farming, I could tank a hit. I could like learn how to do the sword. I could learn how to do these things and not die immediately. Yes. And my enjoyment of this game went up like a thousand percent. So I think that there's definitely something to giving people just a tiny leg up. Like it's not, it's not a cheat code. It's not like he's ruining the game. It's like, he just wants to play a little bit without having his ass handed to him every five fucking seconds, which I think is pretty reasonable. Yeah, and that's why I've noped out of every single FromSoft game. Again, yeah. it's just a certain type of person, but sure. and, and like I learned how to do a sidestep. I learned how to do this thing called blood bloodhound step or whatever. It's like a magic step and it's like a super dodge. And then I was able to practice that, like you just yeah. said, you know? And yeah. then I got better at fighting and t- the other day I put a video up. I like I took out a boss in like, I don't know, 28 seconds or 25 seconds. I've never taken out any boss like that ever in my life. But why is because I knew what I was going to go do, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So to that point. Okay. I do think that the AI moveset is a bunch of fucking bullshit, though. So what what do you mean? And like the way that they already know what you're going to do. Like, I know that's part of the mystery. And this might be a lot to unpack. We can just leave it maybe for later. But part of the, the not mystery or intrigue or excitement that people like from FromSoft games is that it's really difficult. And why is it difficult? Well, the AI is good in quotes. It's not really, I know how to fucking make games. It's cheesy. What, what it really means. It doesn't mean they're smart and they're like reacting to what you're going to do. I think in the coding, the AI fucking knows what you're going to do. Like a good example. You think so? I think so, dude. (laughs) Okay. Tell me your example. My example is Margit. Have you fought Margit yet? Yeah, that's like the very first like big boss you yeah, get to yeah. in like Stormvale Castle. You right? beat you beat Margaret? Yeah. Okay, I didn't yet. Okay. Uh, I just feel like it's a little. I don't know. I just don't. It don't feel like it's just skill. Like they'll do. Like again, this is AI programming. They'll do an attack, then they'll do like five unblockable attacks right after. And again, this is all coding. Like it says, hey, if you have a character, no matter what the class is, or shielding, or pairing, or like that. These are like un, un, you know, blockable or something. Or the fact that they'll jump on top of you when they're jumping on top of you, you can do nothing. Like these little guys jump on top of you. You, yeah. don't, you don't do anything anymore. You just die. And so like there's a lot of those little moves that I'm level fucking 50 almost. I have a badass sword. I know how to fight. I'm not a fucking noob. Okay, so don't come for me from soft people in the <laughs> chat. I know how to fucking fight now. I've been playing this game for 30 hours, okay? And I go up against a guy who is just a regular knight, and he does like eight cheese moves 
and I die. I don't can't explain the cheese moves, but I think it's a little bit of bullshit. And I can't explain exactly what, but I think it's like AI logic bullshit. I mean, I you know, I would counter that by saying, like, number one, Margin is not a fun fight. I did not enjoy it. No, that, that was not fun. Not a fun fight. Um, but I would say, like, I think that they have, like, these patterns where they want you to either learn the pattern or if you can't deal with the pattern. And to be honest, I couldn't deal with the pattern. Um, you have to, like, find a way around it, right? And they don't tell you this, but I think that, you know, me taking advantage of the summoning system, uh, I brought my wife in to help. And there's also an AI summon right outside the door. So you can go into there with like two helpers really makes a lot of uh, takes a lot of the pressure off of you. I mean, if you go in there with a couple summons, I bet you'll totally like rock. That I did go in the summons. I don't think my summons are good enough because I had a magic user and uh, those dogs or something. They weren't like leveled up. I don't know. It wasn't enough. You should get like a real person. You should have a real person come in and I help don't you. Like There's real probably people. What are you talking about? I mean, I don't either. But this is this is <laughs> what that game is about, dude. Like so, sometimes. You need to just call somebody in to help you out because these bosses are kind of bullshit. Oh, so, no. You just reminded me of con number five or whatever. I don't know. Well, I have one, too, but what's your next one? No, just, okay, yes to that, and I understand. We'll, we'll take that offline, as they say. Um, sure, I don't. Sure. I think some of it's cheesy with the AI, but the NPC attacks, no, get them out of my fucking game. I want what them to turn them off. The bullshit, fake NPC attacks. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? So th- instead of a player coming into your world, they just have like regular NPCs come in that are nobodies and they pretend to be a person. Oh, the fake invaders you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn it off. I'm playing a one-player offline game. It says offline. <laughs> just think of it as another enemy. No, no, no. I'm not going to think of it as anything. I was doing a story <laughs> moment the other day, reading something, some fucking nobody who's not even a real person comes and hits me in the back and kills me. I'm like, I was doing your game. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that thing. My thing says offline, motherfuckers. It says offline. I mean, offline. and you are offline, though. It's just it's just another enemy you're, in the game. It's just like an AI. You're being an uh, apologist. That, that person that. will show up every single time you show up in that same zone. It's just like another... That person is a not a person. This AI person. This AI thing. Well, okay. So, like, speaking of the summons, um, I have to say, and I know that we've, we've been on a real negative tear, which is crazy. I'm sure people I know, think we're we just, like, destroying this game. game because, we also yes. love this game. We're going to get to the love in a second. Uh, but I have to say, one of my biggest heartburns with this game is the the summoning system that you just talked about not summoning in other people which i do with my wife a lot and my son that works out really well um and i've also summoned in a few randos but the summon of the the creatures that you find like as you go through the world you will find these items they're called like i think they're called ash summons is that right i don't know there's ashes of war that's on your weapons no not the ashes of war that's like a special ability like you'll find these items that will let you summon a creature in to help you out like you just said you had wolves or something right yeah and there's a jellyfish and there's a jellyfish there's wolves there's all sorts of different like undead soldiers there's magic users there's a big uh minotaur dude or whatever and so like if you find these items and equip them and you have the other item which you need which is can be a real process in itself anyway they it seems like the game wants you to use this system a lot because you can call in a big jellyfish and it'll like tank the hits for you while you're running around and stabbing a boss in the back. And it seems like a good idea on paper. And they really, really want you to do it because every time you beat a boss, or at least when I beat a boss, um, they give you one of those things. Like that's the, that's the reward for doing the boss. You get a couple souls, but also, Hey, here's this guy you can summon. And I fucking hate that they do it because this system is garbage. It's just fucking garbage. I got to say, this is a really bad system because they want you to use these animals like wolves, undead soldiers, jellyfish, whatever, to help you out but it's so hit or miss when you can fucking summon them sometimes you can summon them sometimes you can't there's like it, it makes no sense to me about 
why you can summon them and when you can't. Oh, you're so, like, right. There's like a little symbol that shows up. Yeah, and it's like I don't understand what the difference is. Sometimes it's like, oh, you got to touch this thing, and I thought that's what it was, and I touched this thing to activate the zone, and it didn't work. And sometimes I don't touch anything, and the zone works. And sometimes I can summon, and sometimes I can't. And it's like it's so erratic and so unpredictable. It never fucking I just I just don't even use them because I don't want to get used to them because the next time I need one I can't use them. I can tell you why when they appear why they appear. Okay, sure. It's when the enemy is above your level. Is that what yep. the, is that what the trigger yep, is? Yep, yep, I looked that up. That's bullshit. That's the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard. So you can't use it. You can't use a game feature unless they decide you're like underleveled. It's is, like they yeah, they give you so many of these fucking things. And they want you to use them, and it's like this this big new additional system in the game, but it's like you can't rely on it. And so what? So you're saying that if I'm somehow overleveled, I don't get to use this feature, but if I'm underleveled, then I do get to use this feature? Yeah, that's what like, I'm saying. So you're saying this is just like, I mean, yeah, not you, but I mean, oh. FromSoft. <laughs> not you, Carlos, Sorry, I mean, FromSoft yeah. in no, the designers. I, I programmed that. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. But like, so, so what you're basically, or what they're basically saying is like, oh, if you are a noob, or if you're dying a lot you can have this help but if you're a good player then you don't get the help what if i want that what if it's fun what if i think it's fun to fight with a giant jellyfish i think that's fun and i never do it because it never fucking works for me yeah. so it's just like so irritating and i hate it and i hate getting those things for rewards because you go to all the trouble just today fought this giant boss with my wife tough battle skin of our teeth we totally pull it off i'm like yeah we fucking did it what's the reward another one of these fucking summons that i never fucking use it sucks well on those summons thing um i do like the wolves because they're really you know i would love to run around the whole time with just wolves because that would be be great great if you could i would love that and i would like them as real wolves not like you know outline ghost wolves i would be nice if they're actually real wolves um another game had that i think but um they won i don't even know how to upgrade them or if you can upgrade them but that goes back to our earlier statement. I think you might be able to. I just found out today, 35 hours in, how to upgrade those things. Exactly. So you're going to tell me now because I don't yes. know. And I've been My... playing it 30 hours. <laughs> so that's what we just talked about. That's broken. Yes. They should tell you. And you don't find out unless you go digging around in your inventory. When you go into a catacombs or a special dungeon, you'll find these special flowers. They're like lilies or something. I don't know what they're called. They're I like, probably have a million of them. You probably have a million of them, right? You probably have them already. You don't even know. But you use those to increase the power of those summons. And the game never tells you that. If you didn't go look in that one menu, you would never know. Wait, I mean, you're I saying I have it in my inv- I just said use some damn probably, flowers? You probably already got it, dude. You probably already oh have it. Oh, my like, fuck. 30 hours in? Here's another thing to blow your mind. Another thing that they don't tell you. Oh, well, this is like... I, this one is maybe more on the accidental discovery, although I think it would help. And I think if you read the description, they really want you to do a lot of reading in this game, which I mean, mm. okay. But anyway, if you're in a high, if you're in a high, high place and you're like, I don't know if I can survive this drop. What you do is you take the rainbow stones. You probably got 75 of them. In I your have a million room. rainbow stones. You drop an, a rainbow stone down. If it explodes, you will die. If it lands and glows, you will live. Oh my goodness. 30, That's how you know. 30 hours in, have no idea. Yes. Yes. Like, that could be, in, in their minds, enchanting. You know, like, oh, To discover that on your discover own. discover that yes, on your enchanting. own. Cool. But yes. you know what? Probably not. Like, little things like that, just helpful. Just tell us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We've been on a very negative track, which is ironic and crazy because we both really love this game. We're both talking about how we're both, like, 30 hours into I it. I know. And neither one of us spend 30 hours on a game we don't like. So, Carlos, okay. Flipping the script right now. Tell me something that you love about Elden Ring. Shit, I had one more negative thing. Oh, sh- okay. Well, what well is by it? the Real way, quick. you you, ta- you take it to task if you love it, right? You can say that. Yeah, you want it to do better. Absolutely. I would just say, and it's a very light one, but like 
you know, there's no George R.R. R. Martin in this fucking game. Like, whatever he That's did. That's a joke, dude. He got yeah. a free paycheck, and that he laughed all the way We the talked about it. He just, yes. you know, phoned it in, as they say. But also, to that point, you know, it would have went a long way for me if they would have added just a little bit more, um, less disjointed story. Because the sure. story bits are just, like, these little moments that you get here and there. Yeah. But none of it feels connected. It's supposed to be connected to this huge tarnished story. And the bosses are kind of... I got one cutscene in 35 hours. Like, one cutscene. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't need a million cutscenes, but, like, 30 hours and not even knowing what's going on, really. So, minor, but minor. But the positive is All back right. to... Positive, positive. Positive is back to that thing about exploration. Um, even though the graphics aren't, like, up to par with, weirdly enough, um, Horizon, they're incredible in their own right. Um, there is pop-in, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's just the scale of everything is so amazing. It's like when you go to a new area and you see this massive like bird and the bird's like, you know, a a building tall. Yeah. And then you see creatures you've never seen before or even thought about. Like there's a person with a stick and he's got weird, you know, a finger at the end of it or something. Oh, dude, I have to. Okay, this is maybe. Yes. Yes. And everything you're saying. Okay. Have you. Okay. So like, have you found. I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin this for you, but like, have you found the big elevator? Yeah, I've, I just went up it. No, no, no. Like the the no. Yo, the, the yeah. elevator that goes down. Yes, yes, the big one that goes down. Yes, yes, yes. I don't want to spoil that, but like when you hit that elevator, you're. I mean, that to me was like a Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful kind of moment. moment. Beautiful. It moment. is a beautiful moment. Yeah. But also, like to your point, the scale, the size, yep. the the holy shit. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that probably has kept me in the game because all the stuff we just talked about, even the negative stuff and the cheese in the AI, uh, it all can be looked past because like Breath of the Wild, you're just running around like in awe of stuff. Yes. And and you can run away, like we said earlier, with the horse. And I'm this is this kind of reddish area to the right. I don't know what these places are called. I haven't been there yet, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so just running around there... You're just amazed at everything. You're like, yes. what the fuck? And it really feels like, and it's like I usually play it right before bed. It just feels like I'm starting my dreams early, you know? Like I'm <laughs> going into dream worlds. I mean, that's the kind of discovery that I think is the good discovery, right? Like not about don't tell me how to use my sword, but this is about I crested a hill and I saw this incredible vista and you can actually go to that place or I saw this fucking castle that looks amazing, or I got to, you know, the first time you go into the woods and you see this big fucking bear and you're like, oh, my God, that's the biggest bear I've ever seen in my life. Oh, or, yeah. you know, like all these different moments that you kind of just discover. I mean, I think that's really the value and the beauty and where this game really excels. Right. I mean, I totally agree. The discovery and the and the, the, the constant finding of new things, the exploration is really well rewarded. I mean, there's been so many times when, like, I'll just be tooling around and I'll come across something funny or something really puzzling or I'll see an item that I can't get to or I'll find a dungeon I didn't know was there or, you know, an item that I didn't know existed or, you know, something like that. I mean, it really rewards your time and it really it wants you to explore and go around. And I think that is the great discovery. I mean, that's stuff that FromSoft has always done really well, but on a much, much, much smaller scale. And I don't know how much they were inspired by Breath of the Wild. I mean, I have to imagine they were probably very inspired by it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just as they have inspired so many other people in different ways. But I think their combination of their specific type of discovery with the open world and the freedom of something like breath of the wild, I think comes together in just a a magnificent way. Like, I mean, I just, I never get tired of like going over the next hill. I never get tired of going through the next forest. I never get tired of, 
you know, just seeing what's around the next corner, right? Yeah, you know, that's what d- didn't make me ever want to go to bed, like, for the last week. Because every time I, like, pick it up, I'm like, yeah, but I could go right over there and just see what's around that corner. Yeah. And, like, there's this bridge, and you see these skeletons, like, working on something. You're like, I need to go find out. Totally, dude. Totally, yes, exactly. Um, and even, again, you might die, but in this game with all the fast travel, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. if you're not holding a lot of runes, and by the way, I highly recommend – People already probably know, but you just go to your chest when you're one of those little rest spots and, you know, throw everything in your chest so you don't lose anything. Uh, oh, wait, you only lose runes, don't you? Yeah, you don't lose anything else. It's just runes. Oh, but do, you, do you ever lose the, the gold nuggets that you get? No, you don't lose you don't lose any items whatsoever. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about this game that I, I'm not sure that people who are new to the series realize. Uh, including that... me, because I'm just telling you to do that right now and you don't need to. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, people talk about the game being hard and like being punishing and stuff, but in, in a lot of ways, it's not really punishing at all. They just want you to think in a different way. So like, yeah, it fucking eats ass to like lose a bunch of runes. I lost 15,000 last night, right? I just lost them. Couldn't get them back. I died before I got there. Did that sting? You bet. Absolutely. But once you lose those runes and you know they're gone, it's just like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, I got nothing to lose now. I'm going to keep throwing myself at this thing or I'm just going to jump off this thing and see if I survive. I'm going right. to try to fight this guy. And nothing, you don't lose any items. Once you grab an item, you keep it forever. And once you realize you can just make more runes later, and that isn't really a problem, it kind of frees you up to kind of approach the game in a different way. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that um, that exploring and then also fast traveling is yeah, it's a high it's a high point. And why I didn't really just three hours are just gone. Yeah, because I was yeah. worried. I just thought of something that when you said that, I'm sorry, it's a negative thing, but <laughs> just because, like, when we talk about the battle and, and and the things you talk about losing runes, I just remembered, like, you know, eating shit from a rat for some reason. Um, I guess that's what my real point was because I want to clarify this because it might be the last time I say it. I just it's it's the cheese is not just in the move set, which I do think it knows what you're going to do, but is that the one shots. Like in any other RPG, and I know this is not them, but you have like a, a cascading effect of like your 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 damage, right? You know, go okay, twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent. I'm getting I'm getting low. I'm getting low. But in this one, like a rat, which you know you wouldn't think would do anything, can just be you know uber rat, god rat, and if it just touches you, you die. Like there's no like oh I'm almost got a sliver of life left and I'll roll out of the way. So I just think that as some of the enemies. Just one shot too much. That's all. You know, I haven't had that experience very much. I mean, usually, you haven't seen these rats. I mean, I definitely haven't seen those rats. But I mean, I think that's also kind of the the way that FromSoft wants you to think about certain things, especially especially with um, Elden Ring, because if you come up against an enemy like that, I mean, that's you know everybody knows that's kind of like how they say you're not supposed to be here or you're not supposed to fight this thing right now. You know, like come back to it later or come back to it in a different way. I've seen a lot of people uh, in Twitter recently who are like, oh, I can't beat, uh, you know, Margaret, for example, is a big stopping point for a lot of people. I can't beat Margaret. It's really frustrating me. I can't get past it. This game sucks. And it's like, yes, absolutely. That's a shitty fight. I did not enjoy that fight. It's a very hard fight, especially in the beginning of the game. But, you know, you've got like the entire world. You can go just do something else, level up, fight a different boss, come back to it later. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that mindset of, I got here. I should be able to kill this guy because I got here. And that's how other games work. Like in a lot of games, like just traditional action games or traditional, you know, like scripted levels where they take you through a certain number of checkpoints. You get to the boss. You should have the stuff you need by the time you get to the boss. I mean, that's how a lot of games work for sure. But in this one, 
you have to just kind of be willing to like let it go for a while. Like for example, uh, when you start the game, that guy that rides the yellow guy in the armor, uh-huh. big shield is on the horse. I that beat guy. him. I beat him. That's right. You, exactly. You get there at the beginning of the game. It's like one of the very first things you do. Like first five minutes of the game, that guy's right there riding a horse, golden armor, big shield, big axe, and you're like. In a traditional game, you would think, well, this is the first enemy I'm meeting. Of course I should beat this guy. And he just, like, he completely rocks your socks, dude. There's no way you can beat that guy in the first five minutes of the game. But you come back in 30 hours, and I just, like, took him down and, like, laughed at him, right? So it's kind of a lesson, um, a very oblique lesson, to be fair, where, hey, you can't beat this guy, so don't worry about it. Come back later and just, you know, don't don't stress. Like, don't stay here in the first zone for an, for six hours and get mad and throw your controller because you can't beat this guy because you're not supposed to beat this guy, right? Right. Yes, yeah. and though, and the only and is like these are rats I'm talking about, and so like, like I played a good example is Final Fantasy 15 at the end of the game. There's like these major like bosses just are roaming around, and if they touch you, you're done, right? And you go, well, I'm just never gonna fuck with them unless I did like New Game Plus or something and went and came back and was uber leveled. That's that's understandable, and that's like there are not many of those situations, and I know they're totally different games, so whatever, don't come at me. But I'm just saying, like, there's almost every situation, like, a rat could do that. And so that's the only problem is, like, you're right about the tree dude, the armor, gold armor guy. I did exactly that, and it actually made me feel good. I, like, went and leveled up, explored the world, didn't care about him for a while. And I was like, you know what? I think I could beat him. And then I did, and it felt great. And I took his fucking axe. And um, it's it's actually less than my sword, though. Uh, But the other day, last night, I was just, like, around these little shacks, you know. And these rats just one shot me. So that's that's weird, man. I I definitely have not had that experience. There's been a couple people that have one shot at me, but they've been like giant bosses that I knew I was biting off more than I could chew. I have not had the one shot from a rat. These rats are bad, man. Okay, moving on. Another positive. Moving on. Thing. Anything else positive before we go? I mean, lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff. I mean, I think just in it. I'm sure we're going to talk about this game again. I will say, um, just on a slightly different tangent, as I'm playing this game, like I'm 30, 35 hours in. You're like. 25 30 hours in whatever like i'm looking at the map and there's so much left on the map and the map is so huge and i found this other map and like thinking about how large the very first quote-unquote level was i'm like i feel like this game is going to take me like 200 hours maybe yeah this game is not like like that's why maybe that's the other reason i'm going to play elix because like this is supposed to be and this is a positive actually I think this game's supposed to be enjoyed slowly. Like over the course of a fucking year. Yeah, like our, like what's the game? The Longing. <laughs> oh let's, let's call the, Can you call the episode The Longing? Yes, okay. I'll, I'll put that in the... Because that's exactly right what this is. It's like, and I, I'm kind of okay with that. Isn't that weird? Like, I'm like, yeah, this is my fun game I'll go to. I'll curse about these rats, but then I'll come back to it because I want to see what's around that corner. And by the way, the positives outweigh the negatives, even though we said a lot of them, because I don't play from soft games and I'm playing the shit out of this one. And I like it. I feel like we're just going to dabble in and enjoy it and beat a boss and feel good about yourself and talk with people on Twitter and then put it down for a bit, you know? Yeah. You know, I agree because as I was, as I was playing this morning, I was going through a pretty tough zone with my wife and co-op and I'm like, man, like I'm not burning out on this game, but I feel like okay, I'm hitting like my 30, 35, 40 hours. That's generally when I want to like move on to something else, just like naturally, no matter what game it is, not specifically this game, could be anything. Um, And so I'm like, okay, so like I am literally no, I'm miles, I'm a thousand miles away from the end of this game. There's no way I'm going to finish this game in the next 
five, 10 hours. Right. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a little break. Maybe I'll play something that I can finish. Maybe I'll jump on the switch and do something that's bite sized and then come back to it. Maybe do another chunk or something because this game is like, I mean, I don't know ultimately how large this game is, but it's much larger than I bargained on it being. It's much larger than I think anybody was expecting, especially if you're thorough, especially if you want to find secrets, especially, um, I don't even know how you would even crit path this game. I'm not even sure what you'd even do. Like you'd have to wait till people have spent a year in this game and like have come up with all the angles. But like right now it's just a giant question mark and emphasis on giant, dude. It's going to be a major kind of under, it's like my second job right now. Can I say one thing that's a minor spoiler? How you sure? Yes. Okay. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big spoiler. But I think people need to know. Well, that's about not a minor. A big spoiler is not oh, a minor spoiler. Right. Maybe you shouldn't say it. No, I want to say it. We can cut it. It's about what the, is it? It's about the map. So you probably already know. I mean, I already know. I mean, okay, that's fine. we can that's say it. Let's say it. You can probably say it because I think maybe you don't even know the next part of that spoiler. So minor spoiler, whatever. The map starts out small. It does, sure does. And wow, how fun! Again, these are one of the positives uh, that all of a sudden when you open another area. It literally opens the map up. I know that sounds like normal. It gets bigger. But it actually yes, it like does. physically gets bigger. Like you're yes. like, oh, I thought it was this box. It's this yep. rectangle. Wait, now it's even bigger. So yep. just last night, I did something else, which I won't spoil for you, which yes. is what I thought you were talking about with it comes yes, in an elevator. Yes, yes. And it opened up another huge fucking area. Yes, I, mean, I literally. I yes, I literally did. How that, big yes. Did you just do what I did just now? Uh, it may. I think it's probably something different, but I think we're c- talking about similar similar things but maybe different did things. you do two medallions and put them together nope didn't okay. do that thing i won't spoil so that. i did something totally different and i'm like oh shit here's this game is already 30 percent bigger than i thought it was and i already thought it was massive and i didn't even know the true size to begin with so it's like i don't even know what the equation for that would be but it's like this game is so big and my brain can't even wrap around it right but now. i think that's very rare i don't we i've not played a game in a while where i'm like oh i've been tricked you know, like Man. I thought it was like pretty big. And then as you I mean, go through things, Elden Ring is definitely a grower and not a shower. That there is for you sure. Go. That's there you also go. a very good title. <laughs> Which one? That one or the longing? Uh, we'll we'll find out. We'll, we'll wow. find out. Clickbait for grower and not a shower. Clickbait. Though. Okay. So that's enough for Elden Ring. We're going we'll to come back to it. We're going to be. It. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this game for like the next nine months, 10 months guaranteed. I'm sure. So, okay. Let's put a pause on Elden Ring. And of course, anybody listening, I'm sure this is like the big hot game right now. If you have comments, questions, uh, anything you want to say, share your thoughts, hit us up on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. But for right now, before we wrap the show, we are going to transition into our wonderful, delightful interview with Evelyn Rose Hall of Stegosoft Games, who is the uh, one of the creators of Rise of the Third Power. I played it on the Switch. Carlos, you played it on what? PlayStation? On Steam, but I'm getting it on PlayStation right now. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, it felt to me like an homage to like a 16-bit JRPG. We go into that a little bit, uh, but it's got great writing. It's funny. Uh, if you like JRPGs, I think you really like this one. Carlos, you really like it. Yep. I Like I was saying in the interview, it's uh, got comedy. It's got RPG. I can't ask for anything else. She was delightful. So without further ado, let's listen to that interview. Tiddle-doo, Is it Evelyn or is it Evelyn Rose? Whatever sounds uh, Evelyn. I mean, that's just my middle name, but whatever sounds nicer. I like the way Evelyn Rose sounds together. So whatever oh, flows better for you. I whatever. I mean, whatever you prefer. Because I know some people from the South, right? And sometimes it's like 
oh, my name is Mary, Mary That's, Claire. Yeah, you know, like they have the two names or whatever. So I didn't know if that was, are you from Evelyn the South Rose at all? sounds like a really Southern name. It sounds like a, like a saloon girl in like the 1800s name. It does. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> totally, totally. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, thanks and, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. is it so, badger you into paying attention to me? You know, uh, I guess uh, we are badgerable. So I guess you, you work that angle pretty yeah. well. So I'm glad you're here. Faded and outsmarted. <laughs> i guess so I, apparently so like we're all here so i guess it worked for sure win for sure um all right so i guess um we were going to just like do just a general we don't do a lot of interviews uh so just like get to know you who are you what's your background how would you start making games etc etc you know and if you want to riff on that i mean it's pretty loosey-goosey as i'm sure you heard in the podcast we're not like super strict or anything with like, right, jokes yeah, totally. and tangents and what have you and um We'll go through that and we'll just take turns. Anybody has a good idea, just shout it out. And then, you know, when we wrap, we'll probably just say, you know, oh, um, you know, thanks for being here. Do you want to plug anything? If you want to like share social media or if you want to share uh, a website or, you know, whatever, I'm sure you want to plug your game, of course, sure. uh, anything like that. Yeah, this sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Carlos, what do you got? Any notes there? Yeah, I have notes, uh, <clears> but <throat> I'll just kind of let them come up in conversation. Cool. Secret notes. I love secret notes. Secret notes. All right, All right, Carlos, I've, I'm, I'm going to sass you when we start this, so just heads up. Sass me up. I'm going to sass do you. Pre-sass warning. I love this it. This is already like, this should just be the beginning. Like, <laughs> we're, we're just in it already. We're doing it. It's live. We're doing it. All right, it. let's just do it. I mean, are we all ready to just do it? Let's do it. it. We're we'll doing do it. it. We're doing it. It's happening right now. Real time <laughs> happening. Okay, cool. All right. Well, this is the inserted interview that is being recorded before we're actually doing episode 274, I believe. So excuse us if this sounds a little bit disjointed. And also, you haven't gone anywhere. You're still here, but we're starting for the first time. So I guess welcome to us to episode 274. Hey, here we are. No? You just made it more weird. but yeah, It is okay. a little bit weird. It is yeah. definitely. What's even weirder than that is that today we have a special guest. Frequent listeners of the podcast will know that we barely ever have any guests because, man, we just don't like them. Don't like guests That's at all. That's not the case at all. Yeah, change today. I promise that. It's a total oh, lie. Geez. That is a total lie. We just don't like to do it for reasons uh, that we cannot disclose. But we have broken that rule for today. And we have Evelyn Rose Hall, who is here, a developer who we met uh, because we talked about her game a couple weeks ago. Uh, it is Rise of the Third Power. I played it on Switch. Carlos, where did you play it? Uh, PC. All right, great. So she uh, heard us on the show, I guess, and wanted me to play the game. So we covered it a second time talked on Twitter, and we thought, hey, she seems pretty cool. We're going to have her on the show, and here she is. Evelyn Rose Hall, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, guys. Um, thanks for having me. Um, See, so yeah, I, I made, um, I created Arafel and um, Rise of Third Power, um, which is released on February 10th um, for every, pretty much every major console. Um, and uh, I was, like, obsessively, like, checking anyone commenting about my game, and it came across your podcast. Nice. And, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was going to say, gosh, well, I mean, it must not have been too terrible because I didn't get any hate mail immediately afterwards. <laughs> no, well, uh, Carlos liked my game. If you remember playing it. <laughs> yeah, he's nodding. He's not talking. Oh, yeah. I'm just no, nodding. No, I love I loved the it. Second, I the second episode you like. So I was really looking forward to this. So what happened was uh, you like the game. Bride was like, it's got anime. It's a JRPG. I'm not interested. 
And so I was immediately like, okay, challenge accepted. I'm going to Twitter. I'm going to badger Brad into playing my game, which somehow worked. It did. It, it did. did. And then he brought it up on the second, uh, the next episode. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see Carlos's reaction. I'm sure you didn't tell him. And you're like, I don't remember playing that game. <laughs> oh, I said that? Yes. You don't remember oh, that either. okay. Okay. Here's the problem. I think it was just the name in general because you did mention that. That's true. It, the tone of the game is so like fun and funny and just like, I love it again. Uh, and you. we will talk about it, but it, yeah, it just, for some reason that didn't click in my mind. And also mm. in my defense, we do play every single game. No, I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> taking no, it personally, but you know, don't worry about it too much. Please take it personally. It is the name. <laughs> Good, of the I am. Game. Yeah, you should. <laughs> But no, I do, I do love it. And once I finally like got it rejiggered in my brain, oh yes, that game, uh, yeah, I really, really do like it. And I think well, I'm glad. it's interesting. And I just bring this up because you brought it up when you introduced yourself. Arafel is the game before this mm-hmm. has some of the same characters, right? No. Oh, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't. There's I, I a. I there's heard like a review a... that said that. Yeah, I don't know why they thought that. It it very clearly does not. Okay, they're wrong. Uh, they're just wrong. I don't know. There's a couple of people that thought it happened in the same universe as Arafel, which uh, me and uh, Frost, the developer, um, he does like the programming and stuff. Um, he and I bounced around the idea of like, well, what if Rise of Power actually did happen in the Arafel universe and like those events were connected or like even like the end of Arafel kind of kicked off the story of Rise of mm. Power. That would require like a relatively significant rework, but it wouldn't be like uh, that would be doable. Um, and then I was like, yeah, but not to like make too grandiose of, an, of a comparison here, but it was like, what if you found out that Game of Thrones actually took place in the Lord of the Rings universe? Would that be cool? And the answer to that question is no, that would be stupid. So, <laughs> no. that, so then we kiboshed that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I did hear that in, in a review somewhere. Again, yeah, somebody guessing. did mention it. Yeah. yeah. No, it case. But it is, a, it is your first game though. And, and how, so how far apart were the games made then? So that's kind of a long story. Um, I'll try and keep it short. So I, um, Arafel, I started as a hobby project back in like 2003 or 2004. Um, and then I put it on hold because life happened. And then around 2015, I decided that I would revisit and try and finish it and then publish it myself on Steam. Um, and I was able to do that. And then Frost and I realized that there was a way we, that we could port the data that we had that it had already in that to Unity to make a more fleshed out, bigger game. Um, so that happened 2020. 2018 to 2020 is when we did that. And then, um, so probably all told, I worked on it four years, but like kind of split up into different times. Right. Um, and then Rise of Third Power, that was like, I started that in 2016. Well, I started, started it in like 2008, worked on it for a year, and then from 2016 till now. So that's like seven years of my life. Wow. Wow. That is a real big commitment. Holy cow. I mean, I guess before we even get into the details of that, like how did you even come into making games? I mean, what's your background? Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to now having the creator of two entire games. That's huge. (laughs) I was a bored child. Um, So I I started playing with RPG Maker. Um, I got into, I mean, so this is before... 2003 so it would have been 2001 maybe um but that was rpg maker 95 that i was playing with and then i've just been playing with rpg maker ever since um so that's what arafel and register powered were both initially made in was rpg maker 2003 um and then like i said frost used magic to port it to unity somehow um uh, but it was it was really just a hobbyist thing that i did for fun um i liked writing but it 
I didn't want to write screenplays and novels or like, I'm not very good at prose. So it was really just dialogue mm. that I felt like I was good at. Um, and so JRPG just kind of fit um, the thing that I like to do. So yeah, RPG I mean, maker, I'm sorry, Brad. No, RPG you go maker, ahead. RPG maker is like one of my favorite things ever because it's so it is, cool. it's so cool. And it, like you said, it's been out for a long time and generally it allows anybody to get an idea down quickly. Yeah. I think that's like super huge because then that gives you like momentum that oh yeah this is this could become a reality. Absolutely, I I am. Um, I mean, I never would have been able to do any of this if I didn't have a tool that I could just sit down and play with and have no expertise or really capacity. Like I I'm never going to learn to code. My mind is not that kind of mind. Um, but I could still make a game with it. And if it wasn't for RPG Maker, I would so probably still be waiting tables honestly. Wow. Yeah. Wouldn't we all? I hear that. So it's a pretty big step to go from just being like a random person to actually making a game. I mean, I don't think I would ever do it myself. I mean, I have utmost respect for people who do. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very true. So I guess like what was your life like before this? Were you like a total like hardcore gamer or like what kind of stuff were you doing? Like what led you to want to think to make your own game? So I, uh, I have ADHD and I didn't realize that and I coped with it pretty poorly. So I wasn't diagnosed until much later in life. And so obviously I was never treated for it. It was just when you're a kid and people don't really know what that is yet. um, It was just, you're a lazy kid or you just need to pay attention. And like, they just brush you off. And I was so, um, so yeah. uh, So I I went through college and never really found what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I ended up just doing two years instead of four because I just couldn't cope with the schoolwork because I still didn't know I had ADHD at that point. Um, and from then on, I, uh, I was just waiting tables and making games as a hobby thing. I've been trying to make something happen professionally since 2010, I want to say, but not like a full commitment, just playing around at the scene of like, maybe I could make something click. Um, so then the English version of RPG Maker 2003 was released on Steam in 2015, which you could buy it and publish a game using a legitimate license instead of the old pirated version that everybody had to use back then. Um, so when that happened, I was like, well, Arafel is pretty close to being able to, like, I can finish this. The assets in the game are something that I can use, like, in a commercial project. Um, I had a soundtrack put together from you know, other commercial projects I had attempted and didn't go anywhere. So I just kind of threw it all together and um, the reception, it didn't do awesome because it was only, you could only release on Steam and like, you know, we couldn't hit any consoles or anything with that. Um, But the reception was really positive. I think for an RPG Maker game, it was like a 94 on Steam or something. Wow, Um, pretty good. Yeah, I was really happy with that. And then, um, and then, yeah, Frost magically figured out how to turn that to Unity. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I went from waiting tables to be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to try this. And, and so now thankfully think... my spouse is very patient. <laughs> I was going to say, like, now you're like bringing in enough money a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is this is like a full time, like a full time gig now. Nice. Oh, it's amazing. So you made the transition. Yeah. That's great. You must feel so proud. Yeah, it feels weird to be proud of it because it's 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 all kind of a humbling experience. You know, there's so many great games out there and, and there's like your brain is always kind of racked with imposter syndrome. Like anytime someone's like, oh, this is so amazing. And I'm like, no, it's not, though. It's fine. It's not bad. <laughs> anyway, so um, so pride is just such a weird feeling for me. Um, it's like, I guess. But I'm also like, oh, come on, it's not that good. <laughs> I can totally relate it to that. I do uh, weird comedy videos and stuff. And every time 
one does well, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if you really think that that's good. It's probably just got the algorithm picked it up. And then like the next one doesn't do good. And I'm like, see, I told you. Oh, negative validation. <laughs> that's you. terrible. Yeah. It's true. It's literally what I feel like all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's awful. Oh. So how did you uh, meet Frost, your partner? Like, did you guys just like meet online somehow? Or like, how did that all yeah. come together? Yeah, I just randomly, so this is 20, well, I'll, I'll tell this story too. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Avion, um, but it's like an old, it was like the first, maybe second, but one of the first big RPG maker games um, before, I don't think she was able, to, Amanda Fitch, the creator, was able to put it on Steam at that point. Like Greenlight wasn't a thing. And then obviously Greenlight doesn't exist anymore now. Um so so she just self-published it and self-distributed it to it and it was like just that was like right at the beginning of where indie games were beginning to be a thing um so she she did really well with that and so she one day contacted me and said hey you know the hobby version of Arafel that was already released um she was like that's really popular on my forums you should totally try and pursue something commercially um and i was like there's no way she, and then she told me how much money she made and I was like, okay, well maybe there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> so um so then I just started looking. I, I knew what my limitations were. I would need an artist and I would need a programmer. Um so the first thing I did was find an artist, and that was Melissa Saunders, and she's awesome. Um and then I uh but she doesn't we didn't start the company together. She's just remained friends with us and has been basically a, a long term contractor. Uh, but Frost and I started Stegosoft Games together, um, and I just I looked for a programmer online, and he like was really into the idea of Arafel, he liked the the floating islands and the fantasy world thing. Um, and we we hit it off, and we talked. We really got along well, and we were like, all right, perfect. Let's let's try and make this happen. And then we failed until 2018. <laughs> nice, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, like, it, it really is about connections, like creating totally. things at all and getting things done. I think Brad alluded to earlier, it's like so hard to get anything done or made. It really like, is. Anything, movies, video games, music, albums and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of luck. It's preparation, all they, as they say. But also it's like meeting a particular people and having that connection. Totally. One of the big things that you don't think about when you try and turn a hobby project into a commercial project is you can't work on it like a hobby project anymore like when you make your hobby work it starts to feel like work it stops being this thing that is just purely something that you do out of the passion and joy of it it's like you have to slog through a lot of stuff and like i don't feel like working today and you have to yeah. um and that is a really hard transition to make because you just don't understand how soul crushing it is to feel yourself hating this thing that you used to love until <laughs> yeah. until it's bearing down on you and there's like people waiting on you and like like you're running out of money your bank account is dropping you're like i can't i'm in this i can't stop i spent money on this um and so yeah it was it was but eventually you learn to do that um it's really it's i think it's um people confuse discipline and motivation you, you motivation is a you're kind of a slave to that if you're not disciplined so you learn discipline so that you can work no matter what you feel like and then you just march through it every day until you get it done yeah what's tricky what's tricky i think though also and, and brad tell me if you feel this way too on, on other fronts but like for me that create creative gene that kind of like spark you know that is the kind of inspiration stuff that stuff seems to come organically and, you know, like you're saying, you have to have discipline to manufacture it on a Tuesday when you don't want to do anything. Yes. 
but you're like, but wait, what about this other idea that I have that is something that's not this project and is like exciting to me. So it's hard to know. I hate that. I do that a lot. And so I'm like, I want to jump to that thing because I know that will fulfill me because it's this whole new thing, Mm -hmm. but now I'm not going to finish this other thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline is really tough. I mean, I don't really talk about this much, but I've actually written two books that I published and like you have, you start out with the idea of spark and excitement and these things that are pictures in your head and you want to do it. And it's just like you said, uh, Evelyn Rose, like the discipline is what you need to get through, right? Like you can be inspired, but inspiration very rarely I find takes you from A to Z. Like you have to really get through the hard parts, get through the days when you don't feel like doing it. And just like putting one foot in front of the other, no matter what you're doing, is just like, it's a skill. And it's like, just this kind of mental energy that you have to find. And it doesn't always feel very good. Sometimes it's terrible. No, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, the reason you have to have discipline is because it, it like it feels horrible a lot of times. Um, and like I said, you, you remember being in love with this work that you were doing. And then a year down the line, after you've been like, you know, cracking the whip on yourself for every day, it's like, I hate this. I want to wait tables again. Screw it. This isn't worth it. And you're like constantly struggling with that in your head. And then it's honestly not until you're basically done with it that you look back and you're like, oh, that was amazing. What a great experience. I'm so glad all that happened. And like all the bad parts just sort of melt away. Um, so it's a very like in the moment, like agony <laughs> of uh, of having to work on something that you, not hate is not the right word. It's just the the love for it when you have to be disciplined and push yourself through it, you just don't feel that in that moment. And yeah, um, it's, it's a very sad kind of feeling. Well, let's flip it around and talk about positive because this, this game is funny. And I think I tell Brad all this time, every time on the podcast that it's hard to do comedy and video games. Very hard. I hate and it. Everyone sucks at it. <laughs> everyone probably, yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. Cause again, you have a long, long game. It, it mm-hmm. generally, unless it's like a super short indie and to do comedy, you know, comedy is a quick kind of reactionary moment thing. Totally. Yeah. And so you're trying to like keep it going. And that's, again, I've only played a little bit of it, but mm-hmm. so far I think you're doing a great job of it well, because I keep finding myself laughing like almost out loud, like but t- by myself. Sure. And it just a little like quiet throwaway line. And I think that's like super hard to do. So Kudos to you for that. I really do like that. I'm finding jokes even in the smaller moments, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, I don't like to think of myself as a good writer. Again, that's that imposter syndrome thing. But, no, let's not do I, imposter syndrome right now. You can say that you're a good writer. I'll say no, it No, it makes don't. me feel like garbage. But um, <laughs> oh, what I what I actually am, I know what I am good at is character motivation. I'm really good at getting in my characters' heads and like, their interactions tend to feel very natural and believable because like i know what karina is thinking and feeling in whatever moment she's saying something and then i can just jump over right here's ron's response here's what he's thinking here's the kind of person he is um and at least in this kind of writing comedy comes more naturally when you do that i'm not thinking like all right i want a joke here it's just like what would rowan say well rowan say this kind of snarky thing and like and Karina would react this way to something that's stupid. Um, I like kind of throwing stupid things at the players to make them have to interact with it. So like an NPC might be a complete idiot where they're like, they say something dumb. I can't think of an example off my head, but then the character's like a freaking kidding me. This is what we're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. And just yeah. like little stuff like that. Um, not to like, I don't want to like dunk on any other game, but like, um, like Divinity Original Sin 2. I hate the comedy in that game 
Oh, shots fired. Wow. Okay. I hate it. I love the game. I hate the comedy. I do too. I think I'm going to, I'm going to say it maybe is because it kind of tries too much. And you can clearly, they are trying to be funny. It's unnatural. And it has a very like, like, Oh, this guy's using a fish as a sword. Ha ha ha. Like, I don't know if that actually happens, but it's that sort of comedy and I cannot stand it. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I just want to real quick relate one thing because, um, I made a I made a few games indie games and I'll send you links later if you want. But like you should uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I I want to get back to it, but I just my problem is a little bit the ADHD as well. Like I have eight projects. Brad knows. Oh and yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it's it's amazing that we've been able to pull off a podcast with together for like two and a half three years because I'm like uh, but that thing over there but that thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I put, made many indie games, but I was going to relate to the characters because you're so right. I made this uh, text adventure called uh, Hero and Cat. And it's about a cat and a uh, talking cat and his friend. And I made like four or five characters in it. And it was so easy to write it because I'm not a good writer either. Uh, but I would just say that like, because I was, I knew those characters so well, like comedy moments started happening as I was writing. And it's like magic when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I've actually experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if I, if I po- pick that up again and make another game, uh, I, I know those characters. You know. That's cool. I love well, that. you know, we're kind of dancing around it here. Uh, before we wrap up, we don't have a lot of time left, but I think despite the fact that Carlos and I have talked about the game uh, previously, I would love to hear it from you as the person who created it. Like, like tell us um, your take, your vision of Rise of the Third Power. What would you want our audience to know? Like, just tell us about it from your perspective. Um, it is often described as a, uh, a like a faithful recreation of Super Nintendo style JRPGs. I don't think that's true, and that it doesn't bother me. Like I'm glad people kind of get that vibe, but that is not what we were going for. We weren't trying to create the game faithfully. We were trying to recreate the feeling of playing one as a child faithfully, because as a child, you kind of see things that are, everything seems more vivid than it really is. All the stories seem bigger than they are. All the characters seem deeper than they are. And often when you go back and play them, um, you're just like, I, I don't know why I thought that. So when what you appreciate as a kid is, um, you know, the the dialogue seems more alive and the characters seem bigger and deeper and the story seems more epic than it really is. And the world seems more alive than it is. I remember playing Secret of Mana as a kid and just like, that's my favorite game of all time. And that was like the first game I really connected to as a kid. And just like, I swear, like the villages were just filled with people and like animals. There aren't any animals like flying around in the game, but as a kid, I swear I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was the big thing we tried to do in this game is recreate what it felt like as a kid to play these games. Um, and you know, it's characters are likable, and everything hopefully you know comes together well as a game. But but the real point we're making is is we want to make you feel like a kid again, as cliche as that might sound. No, that's actually an awesome way to say it too. Like, yeah, make, make you feel like what you remember back then, but yeah. And I'll put, I'll add this to the, your description for you is that, um, comedy, I think it's really important because like, again, it's hard to do it. It is. And back then I don't remember laughing at any game in the super Nintendo era, except earthbound, which I laughed at. funny. Yeah, because it had like kind of, you know, absurd humor. But yeah, that's an awesome description. Yeah, thank you. That's um, really, you know, it it meant a lot to me while I was making it because because I made the game. I mean, obviously, I want to like 
be able to live my life with a salary. Um, but I really made the game to like, I wanted to feel that again. And games like that aren't, and again, I don't like dunk on other, there's a lot of great other indie JRPGs out there, but that doesn't feel like what other JRPGs are trying to do. Um, no. So we really wanted to hit that hard. That's an interesting goal. You know, I feel like uh, Carlos and I have said many times on the show that some of the best, I mean, obviously your game is not a remake or, or a retro or anything like that, but like a lot of the remakes that we play that we really like are games that capture what it, what we felt yes. like they were back then. Um, and it's funny because when you get one of those remakes that doesn't have a lot of fixes to it, you're like, oh, this is ugly yeah. or, or this is like really clunky and how did I ever like this? But w those developers who are smart and kind of echoing the same thing that you're saying here of like capturing the feeling, not really so much like the substance, but that emotion, the energy, the vibe. I think that's really where the money is. So I think you made a really smart decision there. I'm glad I accidentally made a good decision for once. Nice. Right on. Well, take credit where credit is due, I guess. Yeah, right? so. <laughs> Everybody can go check it out. It's Rise of the Third Power. It's on uh, all the platforms now? Pretty much everything. Every major platform. Nice. And lots kind of, of different PC Stormfronts. Storefront, I might uh, actually go back and play it on PlayStation, even though, I mean, because I'm only like three hours in or four hours in. How far do you um, actually get? Do you remember? I'm, I'm in the princess part, the princess story part, when oh, that switched man. over. And after the wedding a little bit. There's so much crazy stuff that happens. I hope you do play further. I'd really like to hear what you think. No, of, I like, will. I there's some massive will. things that happen. Okay, I think I'm going to restart it on PlayStation, which also gives you a few more dollar bills. <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah, bring it I'll, on. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll buy Get it a over Switch there. version while you're at it. No, wait, come on. <laughs> and also, Brad plays all the Switch games for us. That's um, true. I cover the Switch, for sure. He does. So thank you for being here. It was awesome to talk to you. Um, I'm so glad you like found Brad and, and made him <laughs> play the game online so that you would eventually end up here. And yeah, we it's talk funny to how you. that worked out. Yeah. Usually when it's badger, people, they ignore me. So once again, thank you for nice. being easily goaded into... <laughs> I know. I wouldn't think that as a Brad trait. Easily go. I was really cute, though. I was I was really adorable about it. So I knew he would feel <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I the reason I responded to it was it like, like it was blushing, doesn't it? It does. It I, I think I am blushing actually. We um, can't ever tell. I know. That's why I don't have a camera, on, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, I just love it when people listen to the show. I can tell that you listen to the show and I just appreciated that you reached out. And and really, that's kind of the secret to our show is like we actually read all the comments. We listen to all the feedback. So it's like anybody that listens to the show who has anything to say, if you say it, like I guarantee we're going to like we're going to, you know, kind of hear yeah. it and it's going to get to us. Right. So yeah. we're not like some giant corporation. We're not a million people. It's just like it's just us. And we're just normal people like anybody else. And we want to be open and responsive. So we appreciated you reaching out. And we're really glad that you uh, came aboard. So before we go. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to have you. This is so great. Before you go, I mean, what do you want to pimp? Do you want to, like, uh, you know, pimp anything before we leave? Anything you want people to check out? Um, we are Stegosoft Games on Twitter. Um, StegosoftGames.com. Our uh, publisher is Dangan Entertainment. They've got a lot of other really great titles. Um, and they've been, like, very awesome to us as publishers. We've really enjoyed working with them. And I am Pixie Freaking Sticks at, uh, at Twitter. All right. I will follow you right now. Excellent, excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Evelyn Rose Hall, thank you so much for taking the time and speaking to us here at So Video Games. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Tiddaloo, tiddaloo. All right. That was our interview with Evelyn Rose Hall. Again, Evelyn Rose, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you. I'm sure we'll have you again sometime. 
Uh, thanks for sharing all your thoughts and insights. Loved it. And that will bring us to the end of this episode. Folks, as always, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. You can also reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week, sir? I haven't done TikTok for a week, um, so not there. So, I don't know, just Onawa, O-N-A-W-A on Twitter. All right. As for me, same as always, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode two. Seven four. Didn't know what the number was. I'd look it up real quick. Wait, we didn't Thank do you. the the secret that they waited for this whole time. Oh man, the secret was there was no secret. No, that's the worst kind of secret. That is the worst kind of secret. It's like a FromSoft secret. Well, here's a secret. I'm playing Shadow Warrior three. Is that a secret? And uh, not anymore. Oh, it's out now. I think right. It's out now. It yeah. is out now. Anyways. We'll talk about it next episode. Okay. All right. All right, folks. Thank you again for joining us here on the So Many Games Podcast. And we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. Bye from Carlos. See you later. Bye.